Hi, this is Vanessa Marshall. I play Harrison Dula on Star Wars Rebels, and you're listening to the Clashing Sabers Network. Here we go again. Past the compressor. You were the chosen one! Something truly special. Congratulations. You are being rescued. Revenge is not the Jedi way. I am no Jedi. The ability to speak might not make you intelligent, but we're going to try to prove otherwise. This is the Clashing Sabers and... The Wannabe Jedi Podcast. Yes, that is right. If you are on one feet or the other, you're like, what's going on here? And what's going on here is we are having a collaboration with two of the coolest guys in the galaxy. Uh, We are having a a conversation with the wannabe Jedi. So guys, go ahead and introduce yourself. Uh, I'm Matt. I am co-host of the wannabe Jedi podcast. I'm Josh. I'm also a co-host of the wannabe Jedi podcast. And for those of you who are listening in the Wannabe Jedi feed, I am Brandon from the Clashing Sabers Network. And I'm Adriana, and I host Starships on the Clashing Sabers Network. Woo! Okay. So I'm very excited about this episode, um, because we are going to be talking about characters uh, in our classic top three, bottom three format uh, that I think we're going to have a lot of fun with. Um, for those of, uh, uh, of you who are listening um, in a feed and you're like, wait, who are these people? Uh, just to kind of introduce our show a little bit, the Clashing Sabers Network, we have uh, four podcasts on the network, including Forever Star Wars, like Adriana mentioned, Starships, which is about shipping. Uh, we have the book podcast, Don't Burn the Sacred Text, and our main show, uh, which you'll get a little taste of today. We also have a website, ClashingSabers.net, and we run a literacy nonprofit Uh, getting books into classrooms across the country. So that's a little bit about us. Now for our audience, uh, fellas, why don't you go ahead and tell them what Wannabe Jedi is all about? Josh, I'll let you take that. So our Wannabe Jedi podcast is every week we take a character and we break it down and we talk about like information about the canon version of their story and just give it our opinion about it. And, And Matt, do you want to add anything to it? Oh, I'm very opinionated about the characters in, in Star Wars, I will tell you that. Um, and then we also kind of talk about some theories as well um, and what could come next for those characters. Yeah. And you guys have uh, how many episodes are on the feed right now? Five, and when this airs, probably six. Six, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're, I like they're, they're, you guys are very concise and, and to the point um, and really a good listen. I was able to tear through uh, all your shows in about... Uh, less than a day so um, definitely go ahead and and give them a listen because we definitely need more positive star wars fans um in the galaxy right um thank you yeah and one of the one of the things we like to do on here uh on the clashing sabers podcast is to say to ask a very important question what are you star warsing right now but since we all kind of are, are going to have some new people listening to us. I wanted to change that a little bit into what do you Star Wars? So what I mean by that is what's like your main Star Wars? This is like your happy place thing. Matt, why don't you go ahead and take that one first? <laughs> oh, that's very easy for me. Uh, that is definitely a new hope. Um, that was what I grew up on. In the very intro of our podcast, I talk about how like late at night, when I was a kid and I couldn't fall asleep, I like dreamed I was in the trench run, you know, blowing up the Death Star, <laughs> which of course I didn't fall asleep then because I was so excited. Right. But, mm-hmm. but that, that is definitely my happy, happy place for sure. 
That I would say about two that pretty much is my happy place in Star Wars. And I got to say, the first one is the Star Wars video games. I am so such a big fan of at least all the Battlefronts and everything. And I've been playing it since since the beginning. And then even like the Lego Star Wars and Episode 3 on PS2, uh, the video games, that's like one of the components of my Star Wars fandom. And then the other side is back how it all got started was start off with a, a Hasbro lightsaber. And uh, my friends and I and the, my neighbors and my brother, we all would go outside during the day, like during the weekends, and we'd play like lightsabers outside, which was, you know, a very kiddish thing to do. But it, it that was our childhood. What about you? <laughs> Well, I I feel kind of bad now because I still play lightsabers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I did buy a um uh, a actual metal lightsaber. Matt, Matt can attest to this. I used to have it in our in our um, apartment our junior year of, of college. <laughs> yeah, we almost broke a few walls with that uh that lightsaber. Yeah, <laughs> I may or may not have. I will neither confirm nor deny. Have started a lightsaber tournament uh, last year on the last day of school. I uh. I can neither confirm nor deny that, but I can confirm that I have five lightsabers in my classroom uh, right now. So yeah, uh, I I get that. Uh, for me, uh, my my like real first memory of star wars is return of the jedi like i don't remember when i first saw it but i remember like i was i was a pretty good kid like pretty well behaved i followed the rules or whatever but i remember lying a couple times saying that i was sick so that i could stay home and <laughs> return of the jedi so um so that's, Fair enough. that's definitely my happy place adriana what about you uh, my happy place are the prequels i'm not even gonna lie um yes. they were uh basically my um, I mean, I've always known about Star Wars, but I clearly remember going to see uh, The Phantom Menace and uh, Attack of the Clones. Like, Attack of the Clones was my first midnight movie premiere. Mm -hmm. So, um, my Star Wars happy place is uh, definitely the prequels. And um, also, I'm going to say Disneyland because I love, 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 love um, Star Tours. And you don't know how many days I've gone and just written Star Tours over and over again. <laughs> see I get motion sickness, so Star Tours for me, I after I got off the ride, I had to just sit down outside and just was like, oh, just like <laughs> hang, hang in there for like 30 minutes. I, my stomach was so upset. However, it was a really cool, unique experience. So it was definitely worth checking out. So I have a question, Adriana. Um, so you say your prequels was your first, you know, big experience for Star Wars and or your big fandom. So. You know how like there's a lot of memes centered around the prequels. Are you a big fan of those memes? Oh, one hundred percent. The ones where it's uh, I like the my particular favorite one is I don't know if this counts, but it was like a TikTok or something. I think they made at Star Wars Celebration where they have like Obi Wan like on the escalator going up, and he's like, "I have the high ground, Anakin," and <laughs> at the bottom, like those are my favorite. <laughs> wait, wait, are you talking about the one at? Star Wars Celebration in Chicago? Yes, yes. I'm there. I was there. I witnessed it. I witnessed that live. <laughs> that's, that, that's like one of my favorite things. <laughs> it, it's not necessarily a meme, but I very much appreciate that because I was I was there live. That was on the Saturday of Star Wars Celebration, and it was fantastic. Yeah. Matt sent me that, and I'm like, this is awesome. <laughs> I wish I was there. <laughs> you know what's crazy about Star Wars is like, even though, especially the prequels, even though like now 
pretty much everything in the prequels is a meme, somehow mm. we still like can watch the movies without seeing those all the time and have a deep like understanding and and metaphorical talk about the the prequels and like especially now that us prequel kids are are growing up um it's just really interesting to me that like yeah, yeah. It, it hasn't become like a joke even though it is a huge joke uh, <laughs> it actually oh i was gonna say that it actually made me appreciate the prequels more um i was not a huge fan of the prequels and then i started like watching it and you're like, oh my gosh, he's gonna say that he has the high ground here in a second. Like, and it just made me appreciate it more. Actually, it, it makes the it made the movies a lot more enjoyable for me um, because I got to see like how it was referenced in pop culture as well. To add on to Matt, like if you're watching episode three, you can pretty much ver- like ad lib the whole movie because you know, like, oh, hello there, <laughs> <Hello>. yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's funny. I was watching um, A New Hope the other day. And, um, you know, he did the hello there to Luke. And my fiance goes, oh, that's where all of it's from. I was like, well, but no. And then I like got into like breaking down how it worked. And she just stared at me the whole time. It was, uh, it was great, but I was proud of myself. So mm-hmm. prequels, yeah. prequels came in handy. I was just on uh, with Unmistakably Star Wars. We did a little trivia uh, tournament. And I was able to win because I literally got nothing but prequels questions, just purely on coincidence. <laughs> that's awesome. So I'm getting answers like, oh, that's the techno union. That's an accolade. And they're just like, what? I'm, I have no idea why this information is in my head. I legitimately <laughs> don't know why I know this. I'm not like a, a huge like go into the, the like minutia of what everything is called. I'm much more of like what's going on with the force, the metaphor, the meaning kind of thing. And so it just cracked me up that I was getting like all these prequel questions that I guess I just know by symbiosis because, yeah, I, I mean, I grew up with it. I'm watching Phantom Menace right now as we're talking um, <laughs> because like it's weird for me. The, the OT is like it's like a religious experience, you know, mm-hmm. and, and like I feel kind of bad having that on in the background because I feel like I got to like sit down and take it in, <laughs> not just because it's classic Star Wars, but just because it's classic cinema and the mm-hmm. prequels, I feel like I can just kind of, like, I can sit and watch them for sure all the way through, but I can also just kind of leave them in the background and look up and see, you know, right now, the uh, the scene of, of Queen Amidala staring through the window with the little battery pack hanging out of her dress. It's good stuff. <laughs> where, where does the, the sequel, I guess, fall in that category? Is it? Um, the sequels are an interesting thing for me because Last Jedi is possibly my favorite movie um Uh like in term in terms of just like which movie i think is made best last jedi is far and above the best um movie and and has provided me the most like to look into um i i and i know adriana kind of feels the same way we kind of feel like they stumbled a little bit there at the end with rise Mm -hmm. of skywalker which takes a lot of the i guess feeling off of it um so, I mean, it's the third. I like them. I really do. Uh, Force Awakens is a super fun movie. But um, just kind of being... I like Rise of Skywalker, but I was a little let down uh, there. And then also just <laughs> having spent Matt, so much Matt. time with the narrative around these movies, I'm kind of like... I'm kind of t- exhausted from them. So I'm taking a little break from them for a while. Yeah. Matt, totally. Matt will agree with you on that one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, not a huge fan of... Ray adopting the Skywalker name, not not the end of the world for me, but for for me the sequels, I kind of view it as three separate movies. I 
they don't really flow as a trilogy for me necessarily. I think that they're all unique and good in their own ways, but I don't think that they flow great as a trilogy. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. No, that's actually well, we were just doing um, the Rise of Skywalker novelization review and mm-hmm. or something like that. And one thing that I, I realized was I really like Rise of Skywalker when you don't think about it in the larger context of the Star Wars yeah. story. But when it's in the larger context, I'm not a huge fan. Adriana, you're kind of like in the same place there because I know yeah. <laughs> we've kind of consoled each other over this movie. <laughs> oh, I I think it was just so hard for me because... I'm a prequel stan, and I I acknowledge that they're bad, Um, but for me, it was just, it was, like, life-altering in the sense that I have never not liked uh, anything that has come out that's Star Wars. Um, Mm -hmm. Sure, there's things that come out that I'm like, oh, they could have done this better, or I didn't necessarily agree with this choice, but overall, like, I enjoy them, I love them, and then, so, for me, it was just... Uh, like it, I'm still trying to come to terms with the fact that there is a Star Wars thing that I don't like, <laughs> mm-hmm. and and it's really it's really hard. Like it's it, like I said, it feels like life changing because I have to suddenly get used. I've never had these feelings before, and mm-hmm. so yeah, for me it was it's really the rise of Skywalker really makes it hard for me to definitively place where I I like where I put the tril- the sequel trilogy because I really love The Force Awakens and I really liked The Last Jedi. Um, so as a whole, I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to do. Uh, yeah. so. Have you seen... Thing- oh, go ahead, Josh. So have you seen a like the first version of the script, like someone made it into like an animation. I don't know if you've seen it out there. Maybe I'll, I'll send it to you. But like it goes through the motion or the whole motions of the first script and it... It shows like a whole different rise, uh, rise of Skywalker, um, and it was kind of, in some people's opinion, it was better than the, the, you know, the one. And I'm, I'm sure. I don't know if you've seen it. That's what I'm trying to ask. Have you seen like a, the first script in the animation form? Uh, I haven't seen it in animation form. I read like the articles that talk up that outline the plot points of it, and um, my only thing is like. It's not it's not canon, so like there's yeah. no point in being like, oh man, this would have been and like there's no point in me being like, oh man, this would have been so much better because um we don't have that. Um and obviously yeah. there was some problems that I had with that script as well. Um, not so much like I do with the Rise of Skywalker, but um but yeah, I, I just I don't see a point in like really going back and looking at that because it's not it's not anywhere near canon and we we have we have the movie and so i'm like slowly coming to terms that i with the fact that i just have to live with, with it <laughs> yeah pretty much <laughs> you know it's it's kind of funny because i was i kind of realized that i think the mistake that disney made when buying um star wars was starting with episodes seven eight and nine instead of starting with like the solo a star wars story and and rogue one type movies Mm -hmm. because those are so much lower stakes you know like um just in terms of like the the fan reaction there's sure there were some people that didn't like solo there were some people that really did like solo but do you hear a lot of like negativity around that movie anymore no and but also it was it's kind of like a catch-22 because how do you restart Star Wars without continuing the story, you know? And mm-hmm. it's very much like I feel like what the Jedi were caught in in the prequels. Like, 
how do we defend the Republic but also not go to war because that's not a very Jedi thing? It's just kind of like, what would the alternative have been? It's just a yeah, kind of. I think one important thing to also keep in mind with this is that the pre or the prequels were made for roughly our age group. Um, when we were around like the 90s kids, that was what, really what the prequels were aimed towards. And I think the sequels are aimed towards, you know, the, the 2010 kids. Yeah, mm-hmm. roughly. It's also meant for a different generation. And that's kind of my view on most of the sequels is it might not be the movies for my generation, but it's going to hook the, the future kids and going to get them hooked on stories. So we keep getting that Star Wars content. And then who knows, maybe the people that are born in like the 2010s are going to be the ones, you know, with these podcasts that are discussing this. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have, I had a student who just from watching forces of destiny and reading one of the books became like obsessed with Ray and wanted to know every mm-hmm. single, didn't care about the rest of the sequels or Kylo or Poe or Finn or anybody, but just like, what, what about Ray? Where's Ray? Where's Ray during this? And anytime I'd show a video, uh, it's like, what, what about Ray? When are we going to see some Ray stuff? So it, mm-hmm. it definitely, I think it it connects with that. But we'll get more into that as we talk about our characters that we're going to talk about today. <laughs> but uh, before we do that, we are going to jump into our Happy Beep segment. And we're going to start doing this a little bit differently. Those of you who have been with us on Clashing Sabers for a while, uh, you're familiar with happybeeps.net, which is where you can get uh, kind of keep track of all of your toys and collections. And it, it's a super, super entertaining site. Um but we're, we're not going to do the, the graphs and charts as much anymore. We're actually going to throw it over to Bill, and Bill is going to bring you a little special feature um, on every episode. So I'm going to send it to Poe, and Poe will give it to Bill. Happy Beats, buddy. Come on. I'm with the droid on this one. I'm with the droid on this one. Happy Beats, buddy. Come on. Happy Beats. I'm with the droid on this one. Happy Beats, buddy. Come on. Happy Beats. I'm with the droid Happy on this one. Hey everyone, it's Bill from Happy Beeps. Today we're going to talk about Star Wars characters. Specifically, which are the most popular characters in terms of the number of different toys that you can buy and the likeness of those characters. At Happy Beeps you can search for over 7,000 different toys, action figures and their accessories, Lego sets, Funko Pops, die-cast cars, and plush toys, across more than 1,400 different Star Wars characters, vehicles, and locations. And with a free Happy Beeps account, you can track your own collection and hunt down those hard-to-find items. So, let's get started. I mentioned 1,400 different characters and vehicles. Well, more than 30% of all the toy production from 1977 through today was for just 20 of those characters. In 20th place, we have the Jawa, with 43 different likenesses. Moving up to spot 19 is Lando Calrissian at 51, followed by Padme Amidala at 53. Next comes the Battle Droid from Episodes 1 through 3, with 61 different likenesses. And at 16th place is the Emperor himself at 65. Then comes Palpatine's first apprentice, Darth Maul, with 68. And here we finally come to Rey and Kylo Ren, with 68 and 73 toys, respectively. Next up is the original trilogy Stormtrooper, who has been produced in 80 different likenesses over the last 43 years, followed by Yoda at 91 and C-3PO at 92. Now, every character remaining on our list has been produced over 100 times by all the different merchandisers. We begin with Boba Fett at 101. Chewbacca has 104 likenesses. And the prequel trilogy Clone Trooper has 108. 
you can buy 117 different R2-D2 toys. And now getting into the big time. Princess Leia has 145 different likenesses. Obi-Wan Kenobi gets us to 151. And now things really take off. 11% of all Star Wars toy production has been for these last three characters. Han Solo has been produced 214 times. Luke Skywalker, 279. And then finally, the Dark Lord himself, Anakin Skywalker slash Darth Vader, has been produced 293 times, more than 4% of all the Star Wars toy production ever released. That does it for today. I want to thank Brandon and Clashing Sabers for giving me the chance to share these facts and figures with you. Check out happybeeps.net for more. Be safe, and may the Force be with you. All right, thank you, Bill, for that great insight into characters uh, in action figure form and, and how many times they have been created. So I want to kind of... We, we were kind of talking about mixing things up, uh, throwing some new things into the show, and I came up with uh, an idea for a game that we're going to play. Uh, maybe not on every episode, but I thought it would be fun <laughs> here since we have um, some, some new guests, and... This one is, uh, it's, it's like a game you may have heard by a different name um, called Something Mary Kill, but we're going to be family friendly and call it <laughs> Love Mary Kill. Uh, and so for, for love, love is going to be who would you be in love with but never be able to speak to. Okay. And then, oh, that's uh, mean. <laughs> I know. I know. Oh, just wait till, till you hear the choices that I have. Um, okay. All right, I, I haven't selected a, a certain one for for anybody in particular. So, who wants to go first? I'll start it off. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right, then you get the first one. Your love, Mary kill is Ahsoka, Darth Maul, and Bo-Katan. Ooh. I think I will love Darth Maul. Because, you know, why not? Okay, okay. <laughs> Speak to him so it's less scary, you know? Um, it's a lot easier than killing him. Exactly. Then I will I will marry Ahsoka. Good call. And then and I will kill Boca. I, you are correct. Good job. <laughs> All right. Adriana, Adriana I'm going to throw it to you next. And okay. your three are Padme, Leia... And Ray. Ooh. Oh. Oh, okay. I'm so mean. <laughs> uh, okay. I'm going to uh, love Leia. Mary Padme. And only because I have to, I guess I'll kill Ray. <laughs> <I'm sorry. laughs> um, I just, I love Padme so much. I named my dog after her. So I got to, I got to marry her. <laughs> I mean, yeah. You have you have things you have to do. There's just things and hard choices in life that we have to make. All and right. I can't kill Leia. I can't. No, no. You you would have been kicked off the network if you've killed Leia. You know that. That's how that's how this works. <laughs> we'll get more into that later. All right, Josh, you are yeah. up. Your three are uh, kind of the smugglers and scoundrels of the galaxy: Hondo, okay. Okay. Lando, Han Solo. Ooh. Okay. So love, um, okay. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna love Han Solo. I'm going to marry Lando and kill uh, Hondo. 
Definitely. Oh, I I agree with that 100. <laughs> percent Yeah, <laughs> I'm glad. I'm glad. I'm glad. I honestly did not expect anybody to pick to marry Lando. <laughs> I was like, oh, if, if any of them are marryable, it's at least Han Solo. That's true. Maybe I'll switch those. No, two. no, no, no. You said it now. I did say it. It is recorded for it. the internet. Speaking of characters, we are going to be talking about our top three, bottom three characters in all of Star Wars after this quick break. Ahsoka, what are you doing? You didn't even try to come and help me. They wouldn't let me in to talk to you. You could have if you tried. How would that look, Ahsoka? Huh? Forcing my way in would have made you look even more guilty. <laughs> I'm not guilty! We have to prove you're innocent. The only way we can do that is by going back. I don't know who to trust. Listen, I would never let anyone hurt you, Ahsoka. Never. But you need to come back and make your case to the Council. No. I'm not going to take the fall for something I didn't do. I am ordering you to put down your lightsaber and come with me. Now! Trust me. I do trust you, but you know as well as I do that no one else will believe me. Anakin, you have to trust me now. Ahsoka, I do trust you. I know you do. We are back and we are talking about our top three, bottom three characters. And for those of you who are just coming along for the first time here, the way that this works is our top three is pretty much what a top three list would be. Um, our favorites are the things we think worked the best. Our bottom three for this is going to be our three characters that we either really don't like uh, or we don't think their story works or um, anything of that nature. So we're going to go around. Uh, we will start with the bottom and number three. So we'll go from three from your least egregious to one your most egregious character. And to kick things off, I, I just had to get this out of my system. Um, okay. So that I can continue with the rest of the show, because <laughs> I hate, hate, hate. Did I say I hate? I hate <laughs> Gideon Hask. Okay. Really? From, yes, I hate Gideon Hask from Battlefront Two. And to put it into perspective, those of you who have listened know that I hate Mace Windu, but I respectfully hate, hate Mace Windu because the point of Mace Windu is to hate Mace Windu. So he's done right. Like, he's a good character. Mm. You're, supposed to, you're supposed to not like him. Hask, I guess you can say the same thing because he's evil, but to me, he is the epitome that of everything that is wrong with the Empire, like, on a personal level. I okay. think as, a, as an entity, the Empire was always going to be evil because you had a Sith at the head, right? Mm. But I mm -hmm. don't know if the day-to-day -day operations the everyman operations of the Empire necessarily had to be evil, but there were so many people like Hask that it never stood a chance. I hate him. I despise him. He's, like, probably the only character that I legitimately, like, would punch in the face if I saw him. Um, because he messed with Iden Versio, and you don't... I know I don't... I don't need to defend Iden Versio, but you don't mess with Iden Versio. You don't threaten Zave, Zave, uh Miko. It's just... It doesn't happen on my watch. So, um, I hate him, if I haven't mentioned that already. And I, I, the, the moment I really started to hate him, um, spoiler alerts for the Inferno Squad novel, which if you haven't read it three times already, what are you doing with your life, uh, is 
he slaughters the dreamers on Geosyn. And he, to me, that action spit in the face of the sacrifice that Sin made and what she wanted and what Aiden wanted uh, and what Del wanted Inferno Squad to stand for. And it took away the chance for them to be a morally righteous group of fighters and, and became the corruption that would eventually break them apart. So my number three is Gideon Hask. So is that saying that that's your three is your most hated or is there two above that that you hate more there well the this is the character i hate the most but it's my least egregious character my other two are going to be ones where i don't think their story works very well so um but yeah i i hate him so uh matt i'm gonna throw it to you your number three character all right i'll uh i'll start it off with I should mention that this list for me is mainly just characters that didn't work well for me or I wish that their stories were a little bit better um, based around. So my number three is Rose Tico from obviously the the sequels. I felt that they was a really unique character. She was challenging Finn in episode eight. And then I think that the fans that obviously were very verbal was their hatred towards uh, Rose that took social media one. And because of that, she basically was nixed in nine. And I thought that they had a really good chance to expand on Rose in nine and give her some great character development. So I think that they kind of did her dirty in that Disney caved to the fandom when I don't think they necessarily should have, if that makes sense. So for me, it's not necessarily that I didn't like her because I actually found her quite unique, as I was saying. But I really wish they kind of did more with her and not just give her, what, two two lines or three lines in episode nine, something like that? I think it's like 16 seconds of screen time or something asinine like that. Yeah, that's a, that's a shame. <laughs> it, speaking of Star Wars Celebration that we had earlier, like this is the anniversary. Today is the anniversary of a year ago them bringing out episode nine panel. And she was there. So we thought she was going to play a prominent role. They were defending her and everyone was cheering for her and like 16 seconds of screen time. And it just felt wrong. You know, I, I want, I actually wanted more Rose. Unlike I know a lot of people did not. Oh, I wanted, uh, I a hundred percent wanted more Rose. And I thought it was very interesting. Like you said, she's a very unique character. You have all these, all the trilogies have had like a trio and then now you're introducing someone outside of the trio. Like there could, there was a lot of potential um, for her, and it's just disappointing to see that it never came to fruition. <laughs> and it was also a cop out by the writing. They said that yeah. Leia tasked her with learning more about the Imperial Star Destroyers for when they needed to fight them. And I was just like, that doesn't mean she couldn't come along for the missions. She could still be studying it while like traveling you know and so it just felt like a cop-out to get her off the screen and i felt that that was just the 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 reason in story that she came up with was shoot at the really big gun that shoots a really big laser because there's a lot of power there so it'll probably make it blow up like what that's yeah i mean (laughs) clearly thank you we but like rose is I'm going to get into this more in just a little bit, but something that really bothers me about how JJ handled these movies was he was a lot more about bringing in his buddies and people that he knew wanted to be in Star Wars and giving them screen time rather than actually doing what was best for the story. Um, 
because you could take the character of Beaumont, completely get rid of him, put Rose in that role, problem solved. You have to rewrite a few lines so it sounds like Rose, but like essentially they could do the same thing. If you really wanted, because I, I do think they wanted to have the, the trio just on their own um, and, and have that be the focus and maybe Rose wasn't a part of that story, which I'm, I'm fine with that, but to, to say, oh, well, oh, well, she was in all these scenes with Leia that we can't do now, boo-hoo. Because if you read the novelization, she's not in that many more scenes. So mm -hmm. you just admit you dropped the ball. Drop the ball. That, I'd say on Rose, though. I like it. I like it. All right, Adriana, what about okay. you? So I'm going to preface this. Um, Poe is actually one of my favorite characters ever um i'm wearing a post shirt <laughs> uh but in terms of his entire arc um it was pretty much disappointing especially um the rise of skywalker um i don't know if you guys uh read the article um i didn't read the whole article but i caught snippets of it from uh other people on twitter about how chris terrio was like we have no idea we don't know anything about poe's backstory and i'm like that's a big fat lie you have the comics he's got a couple of books like <laughs> um and it it was just really upsetting and frustrating uh that they basically made him a drug dealer uh <laughs> in the rise of skywalker i'm like okay take your take your male poc character and make him a drug dealer cool um and completely disregard his entire backstory um and uh i i think probably that's one of the biggest uh, reasons why I didn't like Rise of Skywalker. There's things that I could have gotten over. This is not one of them. Uh, I I love him so much, and and it was very sad to me too because uh, I don't know if you like guys followed the like interviews and stuff, but just toward the you could tell just by the towards the end of the press, like all the press, that Oscar Isaac was not happy, mm -hmm. <laughs> and. Oh. Yeah. And it was just, it, it made me sad because he was super excited. I was super excited. Um, Pose, uh, Oscar Isaac's from Guatemala. I'm Guatemalan. So it was just like this huge, like, like this huge beacon in the Force Awakens of like representation and like um, the fact that he was like, oh, uh, Pose from um, Yavin 4. And that's where Guatemala, that's where they filmed in Guatemala. And so it was just, it, it meant a lot to me. And then it was just, it was just so sad and just disappointing to me that this was the end of his arc. Um, and then also, uh, I am from the shipping podcast, so I have to throw it in there. Uh, they they dropped the ball making Poe and Finn canon. I'm sorry, like I don't know if anybody's like not doesn't care about that, but I I certainly care about it, and I feel like. Um, it would have been a really great opportunity to get some representation up there. And so, yeah, a lot of ball dropping in this. In the movie. <laughs> in this particular movie. <laughs> he mentioned how he's a spice dealer. Because in a episode, I actually go off about how it, it was a way to make him more Hansel-esque when he, he literally was born next to a forest tree. On Yavin Four, so it's like he's this—he's great, good guy—and they dropped the ball by like trying to incorporate a shady past into him that just didn't really fit the character. So I, I go off on that in our 
Poe episode. I, it's a tangent, definitely. Yeah. I, I assume what you're saying is what I'm trying to say. <laughs> yeah, it's not good. I'm going to reserve comment for right now. Um, we'll come, come back to this. <laughs> okay. Mm-hmm. All right, Josh, you're up. My bottom character is Zero the Hut from oh, The Clone Wars. I'm so glad he made it on your list. Oh. Uh, yeah, so... Fun fact, I was going to save this for one of Matt and I's uh, wannabe Jedi episodes, but I was one of the first people to ever see the Clone Wars, uh, the movie, the one that was a predecessor for uh, the Clone Wars TV show. And I was in Chicago. We had to go to like the special theater and and ended up where ended up uh, having a they had like this this uh, air gun that shot a T-shirt. And I, I actually got like this kid Ahsoka T-shirt, which was really cool. But um, so yeah, Zero the Hut. I mean, when I watched that movie in the first, one of the first people to watch it, it was you know, his voice, his the way his movement, his just the overall character was just annoying. And I know we Matt and I just talked about the voice actor for it, but um, yeah, yeah he's just it, it's just what what was the point of his character? I know it's to incorporate like different huts. I want to get your you uh, both your uh, opinions on it, and of course yours, Matt, as well. I think the point was let's expand the huts but also make them not completely scary because we need Jabba to be the scariest, which is why you get like the Council of Huts and each one is like it's like a themed it's like they're at a costume party or something ridiculous. Like, <laughs> yeah. Rewatching the mall on you know, building the Shadow Collective stuff, it's like it's hard to take Maul seriously when he's in the same room with a hut that's wearing a top hat and a monocle. Uh, <laughs> but Zero just... The, the character didn't have anything that made it interesting, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, the voice... And, and this isn't to fault anybody, you know, the voice actor or anything like that, but the voice is just straight-up annoying. It's hard to listen to. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas, it's- like, you can have a character like Watto, for example... Where the voice is not like something where you're like, ooh, that's like what I want to fall asleep to. But it <laughs> enhances the character. Um, and Zero just doesn't doesn't have any qualities that make them interesting. Like even, you know, you can, you can have a bad guy like a Palpatine who we're not looking at them for redemption. We know that they're just evil. But okay, they're entertaining. Okay, they're interesting. They have... They have an aspect of psychology that you want to dig into where like zero for me, zero is like that parent at school where you're like, your kid is fine. Stop calling me four times every day. I don't need to talk to you. All right. Some of you on this podcast understand what I'm talking about, Um, especially with this distance learning stuff right now. It's like (laughs) I don't need like I'm literally losing my mind talking to you. That's how I feel. And and. I'm a huge Clone Wars fan. Like, mm-hmm. animation is my thing. Um, and it is literally my least favorite part of Clone Wars. And then to add on to that, you know, putting him in the Clone Wars movie and having him be this character who kind of spawns everything into happening um, really, I think, is something that kind of upset the balance of that film. Whereas I don't think the story is really bad. I just reread, or I just read the. Um, novelization of it actually and it was really good like the story was really good but when you get a character when you have an ahsoka who's really immature and annoying which he's supposed to be at that point yeah but then you also have this other annoying character it just doesn't it doesn't sit right and so you're starting off not only the show the or the you know 
the story the wrong way, but you're starting off the series the wrong way, and it just kind of that's that's me on on zero, Adriana. I just think um, having him be in the movie was <laughs> a really bad choice, just because you know um, for my brother, not me, I because I watched it all, uh, but my brother was like he watched the movie, he absolutely hated it. And so he never, never got into the show because it was like, no, I don't like this. I'm not going to like it. And so um, that's that's pretty much I don't want to repeat anything Brandon said, but that's that's where I'm I'm just going to leave it at that. That it was not a wise choice to do that um, because it probably turned off peop- um, uh, fans. Um, and I don't know, as a little kid, I, I just don't understand I don't think I would like them as a little kid either. So I don't know what, what kind of why they made that choice, it, even though I know they were catering to, to kids, like what kid is going to like that character? Yeah, I think it was definitely geared towards um, Zero was definitely ge- geared towards kids. But when you look at like the droids and the, the battle droids, those are that's the kid element where they're like, oh, we shoot at them. You know, like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the comedy. Look, it's RB551. No wonder he got blasted. He's one of those older models programmed by a central computer. Not us. We're independent thinkers. Roger, 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 roger. Yeah, the comedy is there. Um, and so I just don't think, I, I think Zero was an attempt. It just missed the mark. You know, yeah. I, I think that that's more what it is. But I definitely, that that voice is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and the voice actor does so many different voices within Star Wars and Disney and is in a phenomenal uh, voice actor and actually in our upcoming episode that's going to be airing probably two days after this we talk about that voice actor and one of our favorite characters yeah so. uh, nice little I tease mean, there I was yeah <laughs> <laughs> so rewatching the rewatching the episode with Zero in it and eventually he met his demise do you think like when they killed him off from I guess his ex you could say uh, on Nel Hutta, when or was it not? No, he actually he traveled to another planet to get the um, yeah. the the uh, the book against the uh, Council of Huts. Do you do you feel that was the right ending for him? Just to add on. I mean, he died, so <laughs> works for me. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, yeah that 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 episode's really weird because you have a slice noodle zero the hut love thing going on. That's really yeah. unsettling at the same time that you have a really cool Cad Bane, Obi-Wan, Quinlan Voss fight. Like it, I was actually just watched that a couple weeks ago as I'm going through the series again. Um, I say again, it's pretty much still. Um, and it's just like I was sitting there going, how are these two stories like the same episode? Because they're, yeah. they're just so vastly different. Like Quinlan Voss and Obi-Wan's fight is one of the coolest things I've ever seen. And then you have Zero the Hutt and Sly Snoodles. And it's just like, what, what, what is going on here? I don't know. I don't know. All right, let's keep going. Um, because otherwise we're just going to talk about how terrible Zero is for the next hour. Um, I'm going to go ahead to my number two, and these are where I get into the characters who I don't think uh, worked very well. And I am going to start with Poe Dameron. uh, Because, all right, buckle up. I I honestly have never liked Poe. I didn't like him in The Force Awakens. I know that's sacrilege, Adriana, but you'll forgive me eventually. Um, But I I just don't like the flyboy rah-rah characters in anything. 
Um, I find them bland and the, I, I feel like we go to the rise of Skywalker and we get basically the same character where you have the last Jedi that masterfully provides him some nuance, um, that the rest of the canon, like even the comic just straight up ignores. Um, and then I think honestly, the, the place that they went wrong with Poe is, this is going to sound bad, but is let having him be in the movie. I think you want Oscar Isaac in the movie. Awesome. Uh, you know, I, I, I love the representation. Um, I love, I love what he did with that character, but a problem that I've noticed I have with JJ, like I mentioned, is he does things for the people, um, around him and he gives actors, in my opinion, too much creative control over their characters. Um, because, Poe was supposed to die in The Force Awakens in that beginning part. Uh, so mm. when you bring him back, then you have to change not just that movie, but you have to change the whole narrative of the trilogy just because Oscar Isaac didn't want to die in another movie, which is it's fine. It's his prerogative to not you know want to do that. But by J.J. allowing that, you take the, the movies in a whole nother direction and you add in this whole new important character that you don't know what you're you're doing with him you know um and to me it feel it feels like the adam sandler movies now you know adam sandler just brings in all the people he likes to make these movies and 90 percent of them suck you know it's like 90 percent of what they did with poe i'm not a fan of like the 10 percent that they did with him that i like you could have done um with another character who you had actually thought out and put into the story. I don't know how that happens, but, I mean, the the story in TLJ made him interesting. It gave me hope going into Rise of Skywalker. You could have gone, like Adriana mentioned, you could have gone the relationship route with Finn. You could have added depth to him. You could have really made him struggle with the PTSD of what he did in The Last Jedi, but instead you go back to making him the rah-rah, drug dealer playboy character that honestly is it's not somebody i want to root for it's not a star star wars heroes don't most of them are like the underdogs and the great you know person but there's somebody that you can see yourself being there's no aspect of poe that i could see myself being um so personally i think the best choice for that character would have been for him to die in force awakens to really tell you that the stakes are really high and then if you want to have oscar isaac in the story you find a more natural way for him to uh be a part of that that trilogy so um i think he could have made a really great like imperial officer or anything like that but yeah um what do you think go ahead no no go so what do you um, what do you think about him in Star's Resistance? I, I'm, I'm assuming that you've seen it. I've seen the first season and part of the second season, and he's he's only in the first season, so you're you're good with okay, that. Okay. Um, I mean, again, it was the same kind of like rah rah, we can do it, let's go kind of thing. Like I was the kid in high school who skipped out on the pep rallies because they're cheesy to me. Like I've never been like a uh, like, I'm a, a driven person, I'm a go-getter, but I'm not, like, a spirit, like, let's go team kind of person. Um, and so that's the kind of mentality that we 
he had in there too. It's the the kind of mentality that he has in Star Wars. And when you have a character who, at like sixty to seventy percent of the what he talks about when he or excuse me when he talks is just him giving motivational speeches, they don't mean anything anymore, you know. Um, and and that's what I feel like you got in Resistance and what you got in the comic um, and in critical parts of. Uh, I almost said Last Jedi, but not Last Jedi. Uh, Force Awakens and Rise of Skywalker. It's just him like, we can do this, guys. But by the time you get to Rise of Skywalker, he did it so much in The Force Awakens. I'm like, this is just Poe talking regularly. It's not like Poe really believes in what they're doing. Poe really is like ready to go. It's just like, okay, so that's how Poe talks. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I kind of disagree with you. Um, I think that bringing him back was okay. And I think... Eight really did give him that character development. I think where I have the issue is that episode nine centered around uh, nothing, Ray, um, and her development in the Force and Kylo, and just it was it was about the Force, which doesn't incorporate any of the other side characters. It, it was the Ray show for episode nine, which isn't bad because I really like Ray, um, but. It, for that, we couldn't see anything more than what he already was, which was being that general, being that flyboy kind of thing. So I think that I'm what they could... A spice runner. <laughs> yeah, and so that's the spice runner thing, which I still think it was not a great decision. Um, I just disagree that he should have been killed off. I think that that would have made it interesting, but at the same time, I think that they needed that flyboy character because that's something that Star Wars always had. I just think that they could have done it better with Nine if that makes sense. So I, I, I think that leading up to nine, his character was solid. And I think that they just didn't explore that further because it was centered around the force and right. Well, and that's, well, that's really like the center of my problem is how he was handled in nine. Because if you go from force awakens where he is that fly boy, and then you take him through this struggle and then you actually see someone who has matured, you know, like I'm a fan of that. Like I like stories like, Ahsoka, where you start off not liking the character and you grow to love them because of the, the journey that they go on, the maturation that they go on. And TLJ legitimately gave me that hope. Um, I really like I walked out of the movie and I was like, OK, I can I like Poe now. This is cool. I can see where they're going with him and I could look back and watch The Force Awakens and it, it kind of added a, t a tinge of sadness to it. Because you're like seeing him being like, let's go, guys. And you know, in a, a couple hours, basically, he's going to cost all of them their lives, you know? And um, I thought that was really a good direction to go with the storytelling. But then, you know, nine, you have to have him in there because he's a central character by this point. But you don't have an arc planned out for him. So you just kind of do whatever fits in. And, he, and they kind of become the comic relief, which I don't think was the intention it, yeah it wasn't it doesn't fit the character and i don't think that was the best use of oscar isaac so mm -hmm. what did so, you think uh, of oh, sorry <laughs> go ahead go ahead, go ahead. Um, so i think this goes back to um just i think a general feeling that star wars has as a whole is not looking at the um other stuff the ancillary material like the comics um and then also to in uh, this is like one of the reasons like when I don't like movies in the MCU, it's because they're not the directors are all different and they're all throwing things out that 
just don't flow. And I, I think that's the issue that I have too in with this trilogy. With this trilogy, is that it's it was essentially given to three different people. And yes, JJ came back, um, but he didn't have control of that that secondary piece. Um, and so a lot of um, it just just having that not be written by one person or like the same group of people, I think was a really um, a downfall for this particular trilogy. Um, well, I actually had a really <laughs> interesting conversation with somebody on Facebook uh, the other day and he asked me like, what, what did I think, di- what, if I could change anything about the sequel trilogy, what would it be? And I said, it would be, I would have had them think about the themes that they wanted to present first. They, that's not how the story was approached. The story was approached of what story are we going to tell? And George always approached it of what lesson am I trying to teach here? What's the the point of this story? And then, sure, he threw in cool things like the speeder bike chase and the pod races and, you know, all these fun elements that are, are important to Star Wars. But they all worked towards the theme that he was trying to present. And so... I think that is why, because I think you they knew, oh, we kind of want to have Ben Solo get redeemed, and we want to, you know, have these, diff, you know, characters when they're older. But when you look at TLJ, it is so steeped in theme and mythology, and the the story feeds into that. Whereas in Force Awakens and Rise of Skywalker, I feel like the themes happen on accident just because it's a fictional story and that just happens. Not necessarily that J.J. was like, this is the point that I want these kids and people who are watching these movies to learn. I I think we talked about this, like um, how Captain Kennedy was like from the get-go, oh, it was always going to be Palpatine. Um, and I think that, like you're saying, like there's no cohesive. To me, it doesn't feel like it was supposed. It, it doesn't feel like they did have that ultimate cohesive idea because they they could have done a lot more. Like I, I had mentioned, um, General Pride. Like if maybe General Pride had been in the Force Awakens and we just see him in the background, like that would have been like, oh, that yeah, this has been planned from the get go. Um, so like not not having that follows, not having a set arc for each one character especially um at because the, they could have very easily at that point when they said oscar isaac is going to come back they could have sat down and they could have talked about it and where do we want his character to end up um and they did and I, it just feels like they didn't do that yeah um yeah. for sure all right matt you are up with your number two. Ooh, you guys ready for this oh Thanks. i feel a hot take uh, coming on <laughs> oh, grievous Oh, oh. Killing me. that's not a hot take. That's not a hot take. Wait, I, whoa, 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 whoa! That is a very hot take. Calm down. No, yeah. I because he prefaced it by saying characters that like not necessarily like their like that he didn't like them, but like their arc was not satisfying. Right? Is that whatever? Yes. Yeah. I you. <laughs> so the very first episode of Clone Wars, the, the in chronological order is the one where we meet Grievous before he's Grievous, correct? He's the, um, what's, what's his name? I'm trying to think of the, Josh, you know what I'm talking about? What, uh, what are you trying to say? Is that in Clone Wars or? Yeah, it's in Clone Wars. The very first episode where they have the, uh, 
the blockade. I can't think of the guy's name. Uh, like the general before he's General Trench. Grievous. Trench, Admiral no, Trench. He's well. He's not General Grievous or Grievous. What? No. Since when? I thought that was canon. No. Okay. No. no, no. We're gonna need to scratch this and restart this. All right. <laughs> yeah. We're. I'm gonna cut still, that out. My point that's... still stands. My point still stands though. So, for for me, okay. Hold on. Restarting. Sorry, that was that was my bad. No, you're I, I thought it maybe that was a fan theory. That might have been a fan theory. There was, I mean, there is in Labyrinth of Evil. You get to see, kind of like how he got to where he is. But I don't think that's not in Clone Wars. Yeah, yeah. I'm, Trench I'm, died. I'm like, Trench died. Well, he died at, at by Anakin in in the new yeah, season. Yeah, so. I'm I'm very tired, dude. I'm sorry. <laughs> Let me read. All right. Okay, all right, go. go for so General Grievous is supposed to be this great general of, and and I quote, I'm the leader of the most powerful droid army the galaxy has ever seen. And I feel like he is still not as smart as any any other character we face. He's not like a, he's not intimidating. And he was introduced in episode three as this intimidating character. And I just felt like it fell short when we see him in Clone Wars. He's not intimidating. He's kiddish. They they, nope. they turned him into a kid-centric yeah. TV show. And I feel like that wasn't what he was intended for. He was supposed to be this bad guy. And I was excited for Clone Wars to learn more about how this evil person is slaying all these Jedis, how he obtained the lightsabers. And I think we only see once where he actually slays a Jedi and takes his lightsaber. Um, and instead, it's every single time him barely escaping and him complaining to Dooku about how it's not fair and stuff like this. And I just felt like it didn't line up with what episode three laid down. I think there's elements in there where you get that, like him slaughtering the witches on Dathomir. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, there definitely are. There's too much goofy stuff, like him running away like a spider. Um, I yeah. know it's in the movie, but they got a little overzealous with that. I just really like that character visually. Um, so I'm a grievous apologist. I, I love his voice. I love his character design. I just feel like in The Clone Wars, he went from being slippery to a coward. Yeah, he's kind of mustache twirling. You know, he just kind of yeah. like sits there like, ha I'm going to get them. And yeah, I, I get that. Yeah. I like I like how they what they did in Clone Wars just to add on because you know Anakin never formally met Grievous or Grievous in uh, until Episode Three so I liked how like in the Clone Wars animated series that they never actually formally met. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean that's good that they kept it with the plot. I'm glad that they did that. <laughs> <laughs> what a concept! Yeah. But- I'm- I'm just going to have to say that I agree. Um, he is presented like this really, like he's supposed to be really scary. He's killed all these Jedi. And and I just don't, don't feel, I don't get, I don't feel scared of him. Yeah. Like when Obi-Wan's fighting, when he's fighting Obi-Wan, I'm like, oh, okay, Obi-Wan's going to, got this. Like I didn't have any anxiety watching that. Like I just, it was not, I didn't mm-hmm. feel that he was what they said he was. And so, yeah, th- that's why I agree that. In the, two, in the 2000, 2003 animated um, movie, you could say before, like the actual canon Clone Wars, did you think they should have represented him in that way, in that fashion? Like, cause he was a skilled, feared foe in that movie. 
in the uh yeah. Yeah, it's just bad I, though <laughs> <laughs> i think one of the things that like makes somebody um scary especially in star wars is the not necessarily the person themselves but how other people react you know like when you get kylo and he's throwing his tantrum you see the star- stormtroopers like about face and like walk away or you know how um people get like really um like they like you, you can get a sense that they're scared of vader when they're talking to him like if they have to report to him yeah um, so even something like having people like having someone uh who is having to talk to him be terrified of him i think that would have helped too uh mm-hmm. that's just like like <laughs> like like count like count dooku everybody was like really scared of count dooku and even yeah. Maul as well because they were i mean they were seth lord so eventually yeah. at one point <laughs> yeah but you you like you see the reactions that people have towards them and i think that kind of feeds into um how they're portrayed and so i think there there was a lack of that if there had been more jedi around who seemed genuinely scared to take him on i think that would have ma- solidified him as who he says he is gotcha. yeah and also like when you look at um the Battle of Camino. Revis wasn't even scary in that. Ventress was way more terrifying um, in the Battle of Camino. If you guys recall, it was the sneak attack on the clone factories. Um, and it just felt like, even though Revis was in command, it felt like Ventress was the larger threat to me, at least. Um, and so I think that, first off, love Ventress, so I might be a little biased with that, <laughs> but that the still stands that Grievous wasn't this menace in and terrifying in the films versus, or in the TV show versus Ventress, which was way more terrifying, and I actually would have like, I love Ventress, I wouldn't change that, but I wanted Grievous to be Ventress level of terrifying, to be to be feared um, by different Jedis by the clone army like, the clone army wasn't even scared of they were definitely scared of Ventress. So, that's a good yeah. point. There's there's a lot of villains in Clone Wars, and I I feel like maybe he got the brunt of the uh, we got to make it you know kind of kid friendly to some extent. Um, that's a good point about about Asajj. All right, Adriana, I think it's your turn. All right. Uh, so my number two is Captain Phasma because uh, to this day. The Captain Phasma novel is hands down like top three of my Star Wars books, and they they really gave her such a great backstory. They really fleshed out her character, and then, um, and I I just felt she was wasted in the Last Jedi, um, and she had a lot of potential, and so I mean I I guess there's probably too many too many bad guys going too many bad guys in the last jedi for her to like probably um get what she deserved but yeah that's that's pretty much like how how i feel um she there there was no um like i said there's no connection made to her backstory um there was that deleted scene that was online um Mm -hmm. and i feel like that would have been something like i was like why did you take this out of the movie um and like i said i'm I'm just wondering if it was a matter of balancing how how who they who their bad guys were and then uh, and then 
watching the rise of skywalker and seeing what they did like they they had okay they had kylo they had hux they one of them's gonna fall to the wayside right and so it was phasma and then for hux not to even get some sort of like satisfying ending or arc in the rise of skywalker i think also is kind of like a spit in the face i don't know i didn't like how phasma we didn't really get a detail like much detail on her arc um, she just felt like someone who died, then came back, then died again. Um, or put to the garbage masher, so technically not dead. Um, but I, I didn't like that, so I kind of agree with you. Um, but in terms of Hux's ending, I actually really enjoyed Hux's character development. I actually wish we had more Hux. Sorry, continue. I think that's what I meant. Like, But he, he was so, it was like a little short, and then he like died, and I was like, okay, all right, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I just, I, I guess it's like, like I said, with the other, with like Poe and like a lot of the other characters, we get these like really great fleshed out backstories. And then there's like no mention of them in the movies. And it just, it's frustrating. Like, what's the point of me reading this book if it's not going to have some sort of payoff? I like. And, and mm-hmm. it, it had a setup that could have very easily been paid off with the whole mask thing and how. Basically, everybody who has ever seen her with her mask off is dead. Like, she goes out of her way to kill them. And, I mean, we find out in Black Spire there's an exception there with Cardinal. Um, but, I mean, to to have to have her mask come off or to have Finn actually, like, shatter it open, um, I think would have been... The, the eye is cool, but Gwendolyn... Or, uh, Gwendolyn Christie? Is that... The, yeah. That's her name, right? Okay. She has a like a very gentle face, right? Like she's an intimidating presence because she's she's big and the armor and stuff. And if you just shatter that open and you're like, oh, this is like a scared little girl inside kind of thing, I think you add a lot more depth to that character. And again, this this goes back to the issue that I have with just generally how JJ made these movies, is this was Phasma was a design for the Jedi killer at the time, but what would become Kylo Ren. And he just, just like, that looks really cool. I want to have that in the movie. That was it. No, like, Hey, this will really advance the plot or this can be a good, you know, contrast to this or nothing. Storytelling wise, just, Oh, that looks really cool. Let's put that in the movie. It's, it's kind I, of like, it's, sorry, go ahead, Josh. it's kind of like a Boba Fett kind of deal. Like, you know, I, I mean, I thought yeah. she would come back in episode nine. I thought she's still going to be alive, but Me you too. know, and at the end, you know, leaving her falling through in when the um, Star Destroyer was was um, was blowing up. Like, yeah. So I, I felt like it was like a Boba Fett kind of deal. Matt, what were you going to say? I was going to say that I actually would have preferred if Phasma affected in eight. Like Finn knocked like like you were saying, knocked off the mask, saw that scared woman and recruited her to be a part of the resistance. I think that that would have been a really interesting backstory um, and way like larger for like knowing the routine of Kylo Ren or, or something like how the first order operates more than Finn, who is just a trash collector, you know, <laughs> he's or sanitation. Sorry. Um, I actually think that that would have been really impactful. I actually that's just my take on something I wish happened. I, I'm fine with how she was, was ended. I just wish there was more backstory to her. Yeah. But for me, I, w- I would have liked to see her defect to the uh, the resistance. 
kind of a tell for how I just generally felt about Phasma in the movies is first time watching Last Jedi when she finally shows up like two hours into the movie, I was like, oh yeah, we haven't seen her yet. That's right, I forgot about her. And for a character that you're pushing, you know, and you're putting in front of your marketing to just be like basically forgotten is, it's not great. It's not great. And you had a lot of potential. You Again, you brought in a really great actor, but you didn't have a plan with what you wanted to do with that character. Um, I don't necessarily know if I would have wanted her to join the resistance uh, because I kind of like the like bad guys who just stay bad guys sometimes. Um, I don't really need everybody changing over. And I think if you had Kylo and Phasma change over in the same trilogy, that's just a lot. Um, and also Hux being a spy, it's just... It kind of that. makes it seem like the the villains will eventually turn good. We can just leave them alone. Um, but just in general, like, there's nothing in the movie that connects to her backstory, even though it would have been so super easy to not not even provide a lot of her backstory, to just make simple connections to uh, what happened on Parnosis, to make a reference about Hux's dad or anything like that. You know what I mean? I actually wanted Kylo to turn bad and stay, or stay bad. I should say, um, I think that they could have set him up as a deranged kid who now has infinite power, unlimited power. You know, <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted, I actually wanted Kylo to stay bad. Um, well, which you're is kind of, to, you're allowed to be wrong. It's okay. <laughs> Understandable. <laughs> I feel like it just goes back to that point. We made uh, Brandon made earlier of like with Beaumont and Rose, uh, why introduce these new characters when you have existing characters? Like, what if she had been the one to be in contact with Palpatine the entire time? Because we, like, from the book, we know she's gonna she's gonna do what is gonna keep her alive. And if um, it was very easy for her to be like, okay, Palpatine's gonna keep me alive. I'm gonna stick with this guy. Um, and so we wouldn't. So we wouldn't need Daryl Pride to like just pop up in the beginning you know what i mean so definitely bringing back uh brandon's point um why create something new when you've got some someone that's already there yeah all right josh you're up okay so uh, my one of my, the second character that is on my bottom is of course jar jar binks oh, <laughs> okay it's, i, I want to make this clear it's not the movie jar jar binks it is the clone wars jar jar binks and i'm talking about after like one of the first episodes with him the one of the i think it's the second episode with the, um with him when they change his voice actor to a very lower jar jar binks it's just anytime i watch those clone wars episodes it always gave me a bad feeling because like oh jar jar's supposed to have this high pitch voice but it's like it's that annoying voice with a deep voice. And those two did not go well. <laughs> so I want to get your, your take on that. So are, are you talking about after he pretends to be a Jedi Knight? I think it is that episode. That's like the start of when they changed his, the voice actor. Yeah, I, I actually skip that episode every single time I've watched it. Because <laughs> I, it, like I said, I, I don't agree that Ahmed Best got ripped apart. Um, obviously, they put him through a really tough time being the voice actor of Jar Jar in the movies. Um, I don't think that that was right. I thought that Jar Jar in the movies was meant to be geared towards the kids and have that comedic relief. Do I think that it hit for me? Not necessarily, but that's okay. Um, but in the TV show, anytime Jar Jar's in it, I just skip it because I was. it's also like me being like, I can opt out of this and just go on to the next episode, you know? 
So, so for me, I agree with you on that one, Josh, especially with the voice change. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I skip over the Mace Windu Jar Jar. Uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Thing I <laughs> because, I mean, if I'm going to have to watch Mace Windu, I at least want somebody uh, that I'm invested in. But I've actually become more of a Jar Jar fan over the last couple of years. I actually had a student uh, two years ago who was obsessed with Jar Jar. Like, it, it was crazy. She just wanted everything Jar Jar. Everything was Jar Jar. When we would, I have uh, some playing cards that we played a game with and have Star Wars characters on them. She didn't need to win. She just needed to get Jar Jar. And, <laughs> That's awesome. And I, 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 I talked to her one time. I was like, I, I'm going to ask you this, and I, I really want you, I'm, I want you to tell me the truth. I was like, why do you like Jar Jar so much? I don't get it. Because for, for me, that slapstick comedy is not really my jam. So I've, ne- I've never hated him, but I've never really clicked with him. And she goes, because he's me. She goes, he's, he's goofy, he wants to do the right thing, but he doesn't know how to do it. And so he always ends up messing up. But somehow in the end, he always ends up in the right place. And I was like, oh, wow, that was a 10-year-old that just like changed my mind about Jar Jar Binks altogether. <laughs> Truly mon- wonderful, the mind of a child. Um, yeah, that's so, true. <laughs> so I've kind of tempered on him a, a little bit more and, and come to like him a little bit more because I think he is that character who represents what happens because Palpatine takes over. He is the one... He's the good person in the galaxy who's not he's not a Jedi walking around trying to, you know, fight wars or anything. He's just trying to help his friends to do the right thing, to make the world a better place for other people. And he basically gets handed, you know, the fall of the the Republic, you know, on a silver platter and just eats it up. And uh, it's kind of tragic. And so I kind of like like that aspect of him. But I do I, I actually think he works better in Clone Wars than he does in the movie, but there is something, and, and I'm going to have to listen to it a little closer next time, but maybe it is the voice that I just, it's kind of weird about him. Yeah, and doesn't he become like a, a kind of a joke or a joker at the after yeah. after the events of yeah, he, the... He becomes a clown, right? To yeah. make the little kid smile on a boo. Yeah. <laughs> to make the no little way. refugee kid smile, <laughs> yes. And I'm like, oh, oh my God. Yeah. So tragic. <laughs> a lot of them are wondering if he'll pop up in like The Mandalorian or any other... Any no. other- any no. other media? No, no, we're shutting this down right now. <laughs> we, we're shutting that down. <laughs> I mean, I could, I could see some, I could see an appearance in the Kenobi series. That, that's like, what it was. That's what it was. Yeah, like maybe he has like a file or something that Obi Wan needs, and you know, they just kind of have a moment or whatever of reconciliation. But I don't necessarily need that. Um, I, I like that he, again, he's that good character who just wants to make. He's not trying to change the galaxy. He's just trying to make things better for the people around him, which is him going back to Naboo to become a clown. Like, he's like, well, people make fun of me. People laugh at me. You know, they they bully him basically because of of what happens in the prequels. And he's you know kicked out of Gungan society and everything. Um, he's looked down on by the Naboo people, but he sees these refugee children who have lost their families because of the empire and he feels a responsibility to make their just their day a little bit brighter you know and and to to still have that heart after everything that he went through um i think is is something to be respected 
that is something I hadn't really taken under consideration. So that's a that's an interesting take, and I actually really appreciate that. And and I can definitely see that. Um, so that's that's a positivity for a character that has been arguably one of the most hated characters in the Star Wars universe. Yeah, yeah, and it's been nice with the prequel kids, you know, like us growing up. It that now, you know, even me, you know, who wasn't a big Jar Jar fan just because, he, like I said, he's not my kind of comedy, can have an appreciation for him because I didn't grow up with this narrative of, like, the cool thing is to hate Jar Jar. That never made sense to me. Yeah. There's got to be a reason, like, why. Like, again, I only hate him in the, the, the Clone Wars because of his voice That's, yeah. and, his, and the episodes. But again, like you said, your student, that kind of opens up a new perspective for me because, yeah, definitely... You know, people can relate to different characters, and you just got to be aware of that. So, <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. All right. Uh, so, I think we are now on our number ones, and uh, here comes the hot take, everybody. You guys ready for this? <laughs> Do it. The character that I think is perhaps the least interesting character in all of Star Wars, Thrawn. Oh. I, <laughs> oh. I really don't care about Thrawn. I know this is going to get hate, but this is all about, about, you know, being real and clashing sabers. And honestly, even in Heir to the Empire, he's really bland. I, he was novel at the time. Um, mm-hmm. And I, I completely get the nostalgia around him and why people cherish that character. But he is the least interesting character in everything that he's been a part of, in my opinion. And I... Speaking of animation again, I live for Star Wars Rebels. So, like, some people might be like, what, you dislike something about Rebels? But I think bringing him in was a huge mistake because he has this plot armor on at all times and you want to make him seem like this big bad, but you end up creating no tension. He just sits there and twirls his mustache and, air quotes, learns uh, through these giant failures that would have gotten other Imperials killed. Uh, and the story, I think, would have been better served if you had brought in just a new character that you could have built up as evil. I think they they did a good job of that with General, uh, not General, sorry, Governor Price in season four. She's fantastic. She becomes the central villain. You really despise her. Um, and then to go to the books, because I got to talk about the books. The first Thrawn novel, I really, really like. I'll admit that. The rest just... They're, they're bad. Um, they're, in my opinion, the least interesting books in canon. Nothing of any significance, I think, happens in them. And I don't know if they're, you know, the worst books, at, you know, in the canon or anything like that. But I just know that when I read it, I fell asleep a lot. Um, because I think, and here's the, the thing, again, to go back to that plot armor, they want to have him at this level of the Emperor and Vader, but also you're not putting him in the movies you're not building up this backstory around him so you don't have the investment in him that you have in a vader and a in an uh, emperor palpatine and you're not having him face off with your top tier heroes like luke and ray and those characters so you can't have him win because you need these smaller stories where the rebels are getting victories and to an extent, I think he's become like this sacred character. And 
I have hope for the Ascendancy trilogy since it's a prequel that maybe we'll get some complexity to his story. But I think he's become this sacred character for Timothy Zahn that I don't see him being able to reimagine the character in any way that makes me want to go back and and visit him as a character. So, Thrawn is my top three. Yeah, Thrawn's in top three. Thrawn's in top three for me. I feel like I should like sit here with that little change my mind meme. Yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm gonna say the same thing. Thrawn was one of my top three. <laughs> All right. Well, so, the, I should also mention that my top three is like it evolves. It's not stagnant. It's not set. Yeah. So I've been reading through the Thrawn books, um, and I actually have been also watching Rebels. And I kind of agree with you on the Rebel front um, because you can't have him win that much, and it's in a chiss nature. If they don't win, like that is a huge failure on their part, kind of thing. So I, I agree with you on that. But Thrawn, the Thrawn books for me has really made me appreciate Star Wars novels. I've never really got into the Star Wars novels. I think I've spent. I'd, I'm not a reader to begin with. Um, but for me, Thrawn novels have like actually gotten me reading also we're in quarantine so like let's be real there's not much more to do sometimes so it could be it could be the quarantine getting to me a little bit but um yeah i i have to shout out mark thompson on the audiobook versions because his thrawn mm -hmm. is so insanely close to the rebels uh thrawn voice that like you basically can't tell the difference between them so i agree with that the the one thing also is worth noting is I play chess. I'm a chess player. And so Thrawn is like chess player for battle strategy. So for me, I can connect with him like that. So maybe some people don't necessarily have that same kind of connection. Um, also, I just love the chess, you know, species. So that, that could also <laughs> be, that, that plays into it. Like I, I play Star Wars The Old Republic and my last four characters have been chess. Well, so. And I, I, as far as, like, the chess thing goes, I think that would be really interesting, an, an interesting, like, way to do it if you kind of showed how he's deciding to move these chess pieces. But instead, what what you have in the story and, and the way it's executed is he's, like, basically, like, oh, it's all fine. I've got it all handled. I've got it all handled. And then at the end, you have 14 pages of him describing everything, you know, the entire plot of the book that I just don't feel yeah. is is very interesting. As far as like the Chiss people, and this is why I'm hopeful for the Ascendancy trilogy, I read Outbound Flight, uh, which I really liked that book. It was a very well-done book. I thought it was a good story. It was really interesting. Um, it, it had good connections to the other books. Uh, so I'm, I'm hoping that bringing in more of the Chiss and we get to see um, some more added to that character to make him a little more dynamic because he's a character that I want to like. I want to be able to watch him and go like, yeah, I get it. Um, but I don't, maybe, maybe it's, it's that, I, that's not my nature to sit and plan things out. I'm kind of just like a, let's go do it and I'll figure it out later kind of person. Um, so maybe I don't connect with him on that level too. But yeah, I, I agree with that. And actually I think that, the, that Ascendancy trilogy gives me a lot of hope because I, this might be also a hot take. I don't want j Force. I don't want the Force in, in like a set of trilogy. I would rather have it be this 
chess battle strategy and how they ascended and how what their rivals are. I, I would I would love to see something in the uh, what is it called the the unknown regions I believe or mm-hmm. so I would I actually want to see that and see it, what it's like when there's no core planets involved. I want to see that rivalry and just completely expand the universe. That's something that I harp on a lot. Is I feel like we don't expand the universe a ton in new character developments, and I think Chiss, and then you can go and explore other things and other species, other planets that are quite unique. And I hope that they take it that way. So that's also why I have Thrawn in my top three is because I think that it does open up a larger universe. Yeah. And I think, I mean, Zahn kind of has experience with that world building aspect of things, you know, with heir to the empire and that trilogy. Um, even though I'm not a huge fan of those books, like to me, they're fine. But, um, again, I don't have the nostalgia for them cause I didn't grow up reading them. Um, he does a really good job of building this world that will become the expanded universe. Um, also, he, I'm, I'm not, I'm not a big sci-fi person. Like I don't really watch a lot of sci-fi. I don't really like the sci-fi stuff in star Wars. And Zahn is a, a, a sci-fi writer. So, you know, he delivers sci-fi books, which is fine. Um, again, like all of these bottom threes, they could change. They, it's our take on things. And obviously they're, they're drastically different, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Hopefully the Ascendancy Trilogy will build that world outside of the galaxy we know a little bit more um, because I don't know how many more stories we can have in the Outer Rim. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that said, uh, let's go on to, uh, Matt, your number one. Django Fett. Wow. <laughs> okay. Tell me more. Jay- I actually... So on top of I don't think the story fit, I don't like the character of Django Fett to begin with. And the reason why was it was fan service. First and foremost, Django Fett was fan service. Um, it was a way to incorporate Boba Fett into the prequels because Boba Fett was someone in the original trilogy that people really wanted more about. I think they wanted a Boba series, correct, until The Mandalorian came out, right, guys? Yeah, there was talk about it. I think uh, Josh Trank was supposed to be doing something with it. Yeah, and for me, I think that Jango Fett actually doesn't help Boba Fett's storyline. To me, that it just doesn't, it's not cohesive. One of the things that is really worth noting is he's supposed, Jango Fett is supposed to be tied with Cad Bane as the greatest bounty hunter of that generation, of that time frame. He was contracted by Newt Gunray, who was under orders from uh, Palpatine for the assassination of Padme. And he actually just passed it off to a way worse (laughs) bounty hunter. (laughs) And so it's like, you're supposed to be this great bounty hunter, yet you have other people doing your deeds and doing them wrong. And so then you execute her because she got caught, but you use a dart that can be tracked back to you. So then you still are being found. So for me, it's like that I actually would have preferred Cad Bane as the bounty hunter, but he would have actually had to ex- execute. So I think that in all of this, it just proves that Jango Fett and Boba Fett actually were terrible bounty hunters. <laughs> and I, so for me, I, just, I don't like them. And I actually would prefer. I actually wish there wasn't a bounty hunter necessarily in Attack of the Clones, or if there was, it was a bounty hunter that we that wasn't supposed to be the greatest bounty hunter of their time and lead into the greatest bounty hunter of 
the original trilogy. So for me, I think Django Fett falls short of what it means to be a bounty hunter and therefore my least favorite because I do like the bounty hunter profession. Might be a very hot take. I mean, <laughs> I mean, you're not wrong though. <laughs> That's the thing. I'm like, I mean, everything you said is is correct. Yeah. Um, <laughs> man, here's the thing. I I just thinking about it now. I think you could have had Boba Fett be in Jango Fett's place and just not kill him. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Ha- it's not like in the original trilogy, Boba Fett is all that intimidating. You know, mm-hmm. uh, he doesn't do anything other than just like stand there and look really cool. So I think <laughs> if you had him, you know, fight a Jedi for a little bit and then escape or something like that nature. Um, if you have like a 20 year old Boba Fett being the template for all the clones, you know, that puts him at like, what, 50, 55. That's not that old, you know, in yeah. in the original trilogy. So. That, and so I think that my largest issue is that it doesn't support the plot necessarily. Yeah, I don't. That's, I that's my. Yeah. Adriana, yeah. We, I know we kind of talked about it a little bit on our Attack of the Clones commentary. How that whole situation <laughs> with Django Fett is weird. Yeah. Um. I. I mean, he was never my favorite to begin with. Um. And. Now that, you know, we go back and we realize that he wasn't even a real Mandalorian, like, it's just like, okay. (laughs) Yeah. And Um, I also think that it ties in the the Mandalorian did in Jaren and how that's what I would, like, looking at him, that makes me like Jango less because that's what I wanted Jango and Boba to be is this bounty hunter that we're seeing out of the Mandalorian. Um, So I think that the more we're going to see Mando, is the more I'm going to dislike Django. Fair. <laughs> sounds about right. Sounds about right. All right, uh, Adriana, it is your turn for your least favorite or your character that you think does not work the most. Don't hate me. Uh, Jin Erso. Whoa. Okay, okay, okay. okay. <laughs> um, so, I... I'm obviously a woman of color. <laughs> so when I first watched Rogue One, um, I really enjoyed it. But then going back and just seeing Jin, uh, she's very much a white feminist. <laughs> uh, she really doesn't want to. Ha- and, and like, I understand, like the, the war took away her family and stuff. But um, she's in this place where she does not care about the war at all. And she much rather just like survive and do whatever she can to survive on her own and it's really not until it directly affects her and when she sees like her father getting killed that she's she comes up and she takes up and says okay now I'm gonna actually be a part of this um and I I just I that just screams of white feminism to me like she's not she's not being proactive and you know you then you have like contrasted with Cassian, who's like, I've been in this war since I was a kid. Like, I I can't just ignore this. I have to fight. Um, and then um, something I know that uh, I are another co-host, Lindsay. She just doesn't like Felicity Jones. And and I really think that Felicity Jones was not the right person to play uh, Jin. Maybe if it had been a woman of color, it wouldn't have come off across like that. 
Um, but because it is Felicity Jones and she's this white woman and she only cares when it matters to her and she ends up taking like she she takes what like the other people are say other characters saying and then she gives it out in this speech and she's the one who gets credit for it. It just I just annoys me. <laughs> That's so, yeah. The only thing I kind of will disagree about is I think it was also the writing. And if I remember correctly, I think it was they reshot, what was it, two-thirds of the movie for the most part? Like, they changed directors halfway through. So I think that we would have had the opportunity to change that mentality if it was a cohesive writing. And don't get me wrong, I love Rogue One. I think it's actually... (laughs) I actually thought all of the characters, or at least some of the characters were going to live. Even (laughs) though we don't see them, you know? (laughs) So that's also my take on it, but... I think that the execution of Jin Erso could have been improved. And so I do agree with you on that. But I also think that that was because of the writing and how they changed directors and everything like half or two thirds away through the shooting. So I think that that made for the character where I think she might have been morphed into in that fight from the get go when she was contracted under force and then actually believing in it. I think that would have been stronger than her only caring because her father died if that makes sense. Yeah, and and like I said, um, this is how I read it as a woman of color. Like, maybe that was not their intention at all. Um, But like I said, when you contrast her with... Cassian Andor, who is obviously he's he's a man of color, he's uh, Latino, he's got his his Mexican accent. He's like, I never had the luxury to not be in this war. It it just there's it just makes her character seem just really. Um, not likable for for someone like me. I wonder if that was the intention, though. What if that was the intention where they were? It was designed to show that exact what you're expressing is that there's people some that obviously I'm I'm a white male, so I don't necessarily see that as much. But what if that was the intention was to make people feel that emotion towards the character and towards the rebellion as a whole? Could that have been? The case like where it was meant to be this larger understanding you know uh my only thing is that um i i just don't think i don't understand like why like i don't understand what the purpose would be because people people already feel that way like um and the people who need to learn that lesson i don't think are gonna necessarily learn that lesson from the way it was it was presented yeah well Uh, does that make sense yeah because i'm pretty sure maybe none of you probably even maybe until i said this in this episode probably even thought that so i'm just no that's i mean that's spot on like i i'm sitting here like wow i need to really because I enjoy Jin's character. I think the books add a lot more depth to her um, than the movie does. But I'd never thought about, you know, the the white feminist point of view. And I think that could have been something that they did. But you don't ever have it addressed in the film in any way, either in an actual, like, action or anything like that. It's just never, it's never presented. Um, you have this contrast between Cassian and Jin, which I like. I like that, you know, she's somebody who just kind of, you know, like she says, it, it's not a, a big deal if you keep your head down. But then 
to have it, you know, contrast with Cassian, who, you know, uh, does fit this narrative of, you know, a stereo, this, this kind of stereotype narrative of somebody who has to scratch and claw for everything, and he's a person of color, and then you have this, you know, white brunette girl, which is like what we have in all of Star Wars, or woman, sorry, what we have in all of Star Wars, just getting to just get away with, you know, everything, basically. Um, That's why I feel it is slightly intentional to, to showcase it in society today. Who would be your ideal person to play Jin? since you said that you didn't like Felicity Jones playing? Um, I'm not sure. Uh, definitely, I don't know. I, I mean, I feel... I feel like, like I said, the message might have been a little bit different had she been a woman of color. So mm-hmm. um, as far as who that woman is, I have never thought about it. Um, I just know that for me, especially because I actually really like Felicity Jones and other things, that she just fell flat in this character for me as far as her acting. Um, so I, I don't know. I'm sure there's probably other people who have thought about it um but i i haven't (laughs) hear me out hear me out kelly marie tran as Jin Erso. yes okay yeah yeah i mean she's got that like innocent look to her that i feel like if you put her in that role uh could have been something that was a little more challenging because you have someone who looks very innocent um that is having to struggle with the the internal conflict that she's having um she especially in the books you know she pushes a lot of stuff down she talks about having like basically a hole where she puts all her pain into and she closes the lid on it um and felicity jones has more of a to me she has more of a rugged look to her you know like she looks like she could take you on in a fight whereas kelly marie tran uh looks more like I said, more innocent. And so it would have been a, a nice little contrast there um, to have in the story of, of someone who, you know, appears fine on the outside, but not really on the inside. Yeah, there's like a there's a balance. Whoever I would want to do it, they would have to have like this really um, unique balance of feeling like you have to feel bad for her. But also you're not upset when she doesn't want to fight. Um and I just, I, I couldn't reconcile the two. Like, I I did feel bad because of what happened, like, seeing her, her mom die and, and having to be um, taken by, um, and raised by Saw. But ultimately, just her, la- the, the way she portrayed herself as very, like, lacking any kind of sort of empathy or compassion for people who are in this fight, um, it just makes her unlikable. Um, at least to me. Um, so yeah, I just, I just don't like Jin and, and not to say that I don't like Rogue One cause I do really like Rogue One a lot. Um, I like Cassian and in fact, another character is in my top three. Um, but, uh, just maybe, like I said, maybe just having somebody not Felicity Jones, <laughs> uh, play Jin Erso would have done wonders for the character. Um, and yeah, that's, that's pretty much all I have <laughs> for that. Mm-hmm. That's fair. All right, Josh, you're up. Your least favorite character. Um, okay, so I I don't. It's, it's, she's. 
I like her as a character. I, I love the actress. Um, it's Amaral Holdo yeah. uh, from uh, The Last Jedi. I love Laura Dern. Don't get me wrong. I love Laura Dern. She is a phenomenal actress. She was pretty much my childhood in Jurassic Park. Like, I can't even say how many times I've watched that movie. I mean, other than Star Wars. But she, you know, her her acting and everything within and her character overall in The Last Jedi was it could have been developed a little bit more she was kind of thrown and i would have liked to see in an alternative is emerald akbar being in her place and i know emerald akbar died on the bridge when when kylo ren shot uh was was shooting the missiles at them but i don't know it would have been a different it would have been different and i would, I would like to see that and again maybe we'll talk about the hyperspace scene and then even like holding info from poe all that information but what do you, what do you think i mean so I completely for, I had seen her before, but I couldn't think of where. And so you just reminded me that it was Jurassic Park. So thank you for that. That was yeah. really- <laughs> uh, I I agree with you. Other I actually like her as a character. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only part that I think that didn't make sense was her withholding info from Poe. But that does move along post character like and develop post character, which obviously we've already discussed. Um, then that doesn't really happen in nine. But I think that she was specifically designed to withhold information so that way Poe would turn more into a leader-type person. Mm -hmm. Would you guys say that she was fridged? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Can you elaborate on that? (laughs) So, you know, like when a female character dies to further uh, the plot or story of a male character? Yes, she was definitely fridged. (laughs) Yes. I I mean... Go ahead. Go ahead. Sorry. No, 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 no. I, I, that's pretty much what I was going to say. <laughs> I wouldn't say she was fridged because I don't think her dying advances the character of Poe. I think it protects the resistance as a whole. I think the mm-hmm. sacrifice is not for Poe. It's for the resistance. Um, I I really like Holdo's character. I think where there's a disconnect for me is, is the character in Leia, Princess of Alderaan, is so unreconcilably different from the character in the movie that bugs me but i think as far as withholding information from poe you got to remember that they don't know how people they don't know how they're being tracked through hyperspace so the thought is and i will say that this is something that's not well presented in the film the thought is that somebody is a spy and they don't know who it is and it's somebody who knows things so it could be poe um which, of course, mm. they find out later that it's not. The reason I don't think it could be Akbar. Well, let's back up there just a minute um, to go back to the, the point I was making. Also, Poe just got demoted. So he's just lost Leia's trust to an extent. He's cost lives. Like, he's not in a trustworthy position there. But then if you go to Akbar, because you are trying to make Poe somebody that we can trust... Akbar has a reputation. He's somebody that the audience knows, and he's somebody that Poe would know. He's somebody that the, his parents would have served with, that Leia is, has a close relationship with. That if you had the if you had Poe going up against Admiral Akbar, you would spend the whole movie going, "Poe, shut up, he's right." Whereas with Haldo, we don't know how the relationship between Leia and Haldo. We don't know how long it's been going on uh, just from the film alone or, you know, how many battles they've been in together. So it brings a question of 
well, maybe Poe is right, you know? And that's so I like, I like that tension that's there. I think if Akbar's there, Poe just comes off purely as a terrible person. For if, if you just take Holdo out and insert Akbar in and keep the story the same, you're not going to root for, for Poe. Whereas I think the point of Poe's character in relationship to Holdo is you're supposed to be rooting for him until you realize how drastically wrong you were. Because one of the themes of The Last Jedi is your heroes being wrong and making bad choices. And how do you deal with that? And how do you face the consequences of that and the failure? And so for us as audience members to simultaneously kind of go through what Poe is going through, I think was a powerful choice. Because with with Ray and Luke, you know, you know they're going to turn Luke's character around, you know? Um, so you don't... To me, you don't have as much tension there between those two. Um, Finn and Rose is a, is a completely... And DJ is a completely different dynamic because there's not really somebody who's in a leadership role necessarily. It's kind of that devil on your shoulder, angel on your shoulder. So I like having the aspect where you are rooting for Poe until you realize how drastically, insanely wrong you were. Um, and then to kind of like finish up as far as her... Well, I, I covered her withholding information already, you know, um, because you don't know who you're supposed to be trusting and who you're not supposed to be trusting in the resistance. That's a good point, actually. Yeah, yeah I, 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 I'm, a, I'm a fan of Aldo, so I agree with all of uh, Brandon's points. I have really worked on that Haldo defense case for for a long time. <laughs> it, it's yeah. I, I mean, I I like her. I just maybe I would like to see her in like a different version or adding up, uh, adding in some different like background information to her. But I get your points do do uh, clarify what they're trying to get at, and maybe that's I what I. I think the bigger thing would be if they did highlight that there is fear of spy. Yeah, hmm. I think yeah, that I that would be one thing. Yeah, I, I didn't get that vibe at all, really. So mm. it didn't play like that for me. Yeah. So if they had played it up, it would have been better. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's something that, like, I don't remember. I know Ryan Johnson said it in an interview. Um, I can't remember if it's something that's brought up in the book. Um, but that's one of those things in Last Jedi that I think, um, you know, as close to a perfect film as it is, it... The, they need to do it, expand on that a little bit more and create that fear and the resistance that maybe it's not as stable as, as we would like to think it is in force awakens where you have them flying in and winning the day. Um, yeah, you know, because you have, a, you have a lot more pe- or you have a lot of different types of people who are there in the story, uh, or in the resistance and, and what's their individual story. Whereas when you go into the first order, your story is basically wiped away. Um, could have gotten into that a little more. So, all right. Does that, that wraps up our bottom, right? We got everybody. Yep. All right. <laughs> wow. The bottom is <laughs> always fun because it provides a lot of like really good thought exercise and conversation, but I do mm-hmm. have to say the top three is exciting because we get to talk about our favorite characters. So, <laughs> um, to start off for me, my standard for what makes one of my character, a character, one of my favorites is they are, are somebody who I can simultaneously relate to, but also aspire to be. Um, most people who know me can probably predict at least two out of three of my um, <laughs> characters. 
But this third one gave me a lot of pause because I was torn between Luke Skywalker, Cheered Emway, Aiden Versio, and the character that I ended up choosing here. The, the character that I chose, though, won out because she has more of that who I aspire to be aspect, and it's Harrison Dula. Uh, mm. Hera is a great character. She's probably the best parent in all of Star Wars. Um, and I, I really yeah. respect and look up to the way that she trusts her family. Um, and that's something that I, I hope to be able to do when once I start my own family. Um, it's something that has kind of been a philosophy that I've tried to use here at Clashing Sabers. Um, I know, like, the first time Adriana and I talked as she was coming on for Starships, she was like, I want to try this and this. And I'm like, yes, 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 yes. It was just like, do your thing um, because I want you to, you know, kind of be the person that you're supposed to be. And that's not as, you know, big as what she does for Ezra and Hera. It's on a much more minor scale. But it's something that I've tried to use for my students um, as well and allowing them to really find their truest self and i think that that's something that hera does really well um and and i look up to that aspect of she's she not only leads from the front but she is somebody who makes other people better and that's something that she is intentional about and i think a, a way that she does that that's really special is she admits when she's wrong we see her admitting to uh ezra and sabine at the end of season one that she was wrong to give up on kanan she admits to kanan or uh, to chopper that she should have told kanan how she felt earlier um and and speaking of that you know that end of season four which is the best um mm-hmm. part of all of rebels it's amazing but to actually get to see characters grieve um was something that was very important to me when I lost my grandmother um, to just know that, like, Hera, w- Hera was able to grieve and, and suffer this huge loss for somebody she loved more than anybody else in the world and to also still go fight the battle that needed, needed to be fought um, is something that, that really spoke to me a lot. And then, just to kind of close, Vanessa Marshall is a gem of a human being, and I would do anything for her, so... Um, she's the best. <laughs> yeah, Hera, Hera is awesome. Team Hera. Team Hera. Yes. Team Hera, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, Matt, I guess that, that sends it to you for your number three. That's Thrawn. Uh, we already covered him, so yeah. I'm, I'm ready to move on from that. But, yeah, Thrawn, Thrawn is my, my third. Uh, I'm, I'm Team Thrawn. And I, I also should say that I'm um, the Empire. I'm, I'm part of, like, Reddit, The Empire Did Nothing Wrong. Oh, God. Um, Reddit. <laughs> so I, I'm a big Emperor, Empire fan, and I love the different intricacies of the Empire. I'm not saying that I support what the Empire did, but I like the Empire. So that's fair. <laughs> We're gonna have to have you on uh, on Don't Burn the Sacred Text when we uh, do our review for some of these Ascendancy ones, because Lindsay and I have a very similar point of view on Thrawn. So I'd be excited to have uh, a different someone who. Yeah. yeah, somebody who likes the character. So it's like <laughs> an hour of us going, man, that was a letdown. Um, yeah, totally. Yeah, no, I think we dug into him a lot. And uh, like, yeah. all right, Adriana, you're okay. up. Okay, uh, so to preface my list, uh, these are not only characters I love, but 
also that I ultimately felt had really satisfying like arcs in general. Uh, so my number three is from Rogue One, <laughs> and it's true. Uh, it's true. I really liked him, um, and it just he was obviously the beacon of hope in that movie, and and he's so good, and he does he never wavers from that, you know, and he sacrifices himself. Um, and then he also gave us one of the most, like, quotable lines ever, you know. I'm one with the Force. The Force is with me. I'm one with the Force. The Force is with me. I'm one with the Force and the Force is with me. And that is just such a powerful, a powerful statement. Um, and I, I feel like we all kind of feel like that sometimes. <laughs> like, yeah. I, like, we say that to ourselves. So, uh, yeah, that's that's pretty much it. <laughs> yep. Definitely. I agree with that. Yeah, he's definitely a, a beacon of hope, like you said. And I mean, even like he just like the, you could tell like the force projects through him. And he, even though he's not a Jedi or Sith or anything, but he's still he's still a believer. And it does it does show a different point of view um, on like Jedi and everything. And it's just yeah, I agree with you. <laughs> well, I think something, and I'm gonna I'm working on an article about this. Something that people get wrong in the conversation about the Jedi in particular is it the force is not about power it's not about who's the most powerful it's about mm-hmm. the yeah. faith that you have in it and for Chirrut to not be a Jedi and not even I mean as far as as we're supposed to understand he's not as like connected to the force as a Jedi would be you know he's not mm-hmm. he's not going to be able to do a mind trick or force pull or anything like that right he doesn't have the the air quotes power of a Jedi but he has the faith that the Jedi should have you know and he has that faith that we eventually see in Luke Skywalker when he throws away his lightsaber you know the mm-hmm. faith that people are going to win win out you know the force is going to correct you know things are going to be okay just that that insane amount of faith is uh yeah I mean it's inspiring mm-hmm. agreed so, for me, um, for my one of my characters that I like. So, Thrawn was on my list, but I'm going to change it up real quick. Because I'm going to still take it from Rebels. And what I was thinking of is one of the characters that is a little bit of a secondary or a third character within Rebels. And they're on the planet, and it's, uh, it's Bendu. You remember Bendu from... from uh... So, Bendu, I really liked... Um, first of all, I have to say that the Tom Baker, I'm a big Doctor Who fan, so Tom Baker who voices Bendu is just it it holds very dearly in my heart. So and just given that perspective of of a like a being being in the middle between the Sith and the Jedi or the good and the bad. And it just I liked how they they brought that into into Rebels. So I'm interested in, I'm interested in what your opinions are about Bendu. I like Bendu. Um, I actually, fun fact, I watched the first episode of Bendu being a part of it when he takes the uh, Sith holocron. Mm-hmm. Um, I watched that episode for the first time two days ago. So I actually do know who Bendu is. I'm not just, <laughs> I, I, should, I, I should make sure it's known. I didn't watch Rebels because I didn't have Disney Plus. I have Disney Plus and we're on quarantine. So I've been catching up on a lot of Rebels. Um because a lot of it was like, it's not the Clone Wars for me, so didn't enjoy it as much. But I, I have now finished um, 
I binge watched so heavily that I finished Rebels, and I actually found Bendu to be really strong. I wouldn't call him top three. Yeah, but I I, I want to change it up from the Thrawn because then you had it on your list and we talked about him before. So I want to think of something similar to go along with Thrawn, but at the same time, because Bendu does in I think the end of the third season. And correct me if if I'm wrong, but he also like says that um, Thrawn will die with like. Um, well, what, I don't remember the quote, uh, but it's something an unfamiliar, warm embrace. Yes, that yeah. yeah. So I thought you know talking about Thrawn and him being my that originally my top three. Um, I thought it would be a different perspective. So that's interesting. I wouldn't call him top three, but I I do like the character. Yeah, yeah. Bendu's interesting because he is he, right. He's that middle um, that a lot of people think balance is, which I, I disagree with um, completely. Um, because I, I think something about Bendu um, that's really interesting is he's he he's that middle, right? He's 50-50. And then mm-hmm. at the end of season three, he basically, I guess, ends up dead. Like, we don't know what happened with him, right? Yeah. But he acts in the dark side and it doesn't end well for him, you know, as far mm-hmm. as we know. Um, it, it, I, I like to think he's dead because t- to me, the dark side is a toxin, right? And, and, and if you have a toxin in your blood, it's eventually going to destroy you. And he may have been able to be at peace for a longer time than a Kylo Ren or a Darth Vader. But in the end, the dark side ended up winning Taking out. Over. I know our good friend Michelle is probably going to like yell at me over this because she lives for the Bendu. Um, I don't really have the same perspective on him that that other people have, but I do find him an interesting character, and I do like the guidance that he gives Kanan. Um, I really think mm-hmm. the the faith that Kanan had lost in himself and in the Force is something that Bendu restores, and so for that, you know, I really yeah. appreciate that aspect of it. Yeah. Um. I like Bendu because he kind of, I don't know why, um, but he really just reminds me a lot of Avatar The Last Airbender. <laughs> um, oh, that's such a good point. And, and <laughs> like, kind of just like one of the, like, one of those cre- uh, creatures in Avatar The Last Airbender, you know, like the giant turtle and stuff like that, that are just, like, wise and mystical and stuff like that. So um, that's why I like it. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's fair. Yeah. <laughs> Could you imagine, like, the Rebels crew just like flying around on a flying Bendu around. <laughs> that would have been, been pretty cool. All right. So uh, we are on our number twos now. And my second favorite character is a surprise to nobody. It is Leia Organa Solo Skywalker. Uh, the first of all, that line in the Rise of Skywalker novelization is Loki. maybe the best line in all of star wars uh but definitely my favorite line in that book it was super cool to see her you know acknowledge all aspects of her identity in that way which to me is something that's important to her character she has all of these different things filtering in whether it's these emotions her beliefs her struggles her defeats and yet she somehow manages to find this balance of all of those things and she's she is a rock on which the galaxy is built. Um, and I think George Lucas 
set her up to be this really wonderful pioneering character. Like she's the one who kind of created the strong female lead before the term was just thrown on to any character, any female character that turns out to be really cool. Um, I feel like that term has kind of lost meaning. Whereas, you know, Leia as a strong female character was not somebody just who was a badass. She had depth to her. She had a feminine side while also being a great warrior, a great leader, a great friend. Um, she was a character that you can put in a, a very romantic role in empire without her being just somebody who forwards the male's narrative. Um, I think that presentation of her is really awesome. She wasn't in my top three though, before the Disney era. Um, I think the, this has really moved her to the top, especially with Claudia Gray um, and how absolutely mind-blowingly uh, good she is at, at understanding this character in Princess of Alderaan and Bloodline um, and this, this new focus that's happened on or happened with the character. And unfortunately, part of it, like I think, is it happened because of Carrie's passing. Um, and Carrie is a very important figure in my life and my struggles with mental health and stuff. And, and so... To, it kind of stinks that you know I feel like we get that appreciation for people more after they die, but the idea that she has been Leia has been through all of these terrible, unimaginable things, but still comes out not just a good person but a good leader. Um, I mean, that's like goals right there. Like, if you don't <laughs> aspire to be something like that, I I mean, I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> yeah, totally. And it, it, it is, I think, what you said. Um, legacies and appreciation always seem to happen post-mortem, you know? Yeah. And so it, it's a tragedy that we couldn't get that full appreciation for her while Carrie was alive. Um, but I, I'd agree. Top, top character. Top five for me. But just barely didn't. Adriana, where do you come down on Leia? Because I really can't remember us talking about her character that much. I love her. <laughs> um, yeah, I think, you know, um, we, as someone who grew up with Star Wars, like, I um, I just, I've, I've always loved her. She was always so cool. Like, she's always somebody that I aspired to be. And then, you, you know, she was able to, um, like, you know, when you're a little girl and you see, like, someone who's, like, they're trying to rescue her and she ends up doing the rescuing, I think it, it really uh, changes in uh, your perspe perspective. And it's, yeah, definitely a role model um, for me. Um, now I feel bad I didn't put her in my top three. <laughs> I mean, I mean you, you did say that you were going to love her. In, earlier in the episode, so we'll give you yeah, a pass. Okay. <laughs> we get a little diversity about who we're talking about, and yeah. I bet all these all these top characters are, you know, one of our top characters. So Thrawn. So, yeah, Thrawn. <laughs> wow. Well, yeah. Uh, I mean, Thrawn. <laughs> yeah. No, Leia, Leia is an awesome character. She's she's very very strong. And opinionated. I definitely love her for one of her lines with um, Tarkin. I just she, and it's Carrie Fisher. Carrie Fisher yeah. did that line. She ad libbed that line in A New Hope. Oh, uh, yeah, the Faust. I knew the Faust engine. <laughs> and, so, 
and I, if I'm not mistaken, um, she was also a writer. So I think um, as far as the the sequel trilogy, they I read somewhere that am, am I mistaken that she did like silent like made silent changes to like uncredited changes to like those scripts. So that uh, might be for, that might account for the prequels. I know for sure. No, no, no. I know for sure the sequels. I'm like. I'm like 90% sure she did some yeah, revisions which, on it. I mean, she would not have touched The Rise of Skywalker, so I'm just putting it out there. <laughs> uh, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah she's... Uh, and, you know, that to go back to that, like, foul stench line and, mm-hmm. and what I was saying about Claudia Gray, like, Claudia Gray adds in a little nugget in, I bel- well, it would be Bloodline because that happened afterward um, about how she was kind of mocking him there. Um, and, and so just like how you can add these little aspects onto her character because she is, she's kind of that every person, but also the person that you want to be, you know? Um, which is is not an easy balance to strike. And and Carrie Fisher, I think, was able to do that because she grew up, you know, in the the Hollywood spotlight, but also just wanting to be kind of like a normal person um, and kind of the struggle that goes on there. So you kind of... When you have the actor relate to the character, um, I think you get a much better portrayal um, of the character. And I think as much as Carrie joked about you know, I basically just became Leia. I think she really cherished that character and it shines through on the mm-hmm. screen and it allows it to shine through in other mediums because, you know, you take what you see on screen and, and you project that onto the character in the books and onto the character in the comics and stuff. Um, so, yeah. I'm just thinking about, like, just between Carrie and, and Leia and then Han and uh, Harrison Ford, like, that's pretty much polar opposites with, with their their devotion to the character. Cause like Han wanted to be killed off or uh, Harrison Ford wanted to be killed off earlier than, than later. And yeah. it's, it's interesting too, like how different they were as people um, in the princess diarist. She basically goes into their whole affair and mm-hmm. <laughs> just it, it kind of almost, you know, to an extent, you know, cause it's a lot of it is, is her actually like di- her actual like diary entries of what was going on then. But she also comments mm-hmm. on them and just how young and, and kind of stupid she was. Um, and how like not stupid's not the right word. Young and naive she was. Um, whereas Harrison Ford, you know, was older and more disconnected and he's just showing up to do a job kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. Where, you know, I think you kind of get that a little bit with Leia, you know. Um, she she does have to kind of grow as a character and learn how to um, manage people and lead people. And I think you get to see that young, naive side of her in uh, Princess of Alderaan, which I really appreciated. Because then, you know, when you... To think, like, what happens in Rogue One happens, like, two minutes before A New Hope. And then she stands in front of Darth Vader and is like... I have no idea what you're talking about. I, what? Um, yeah. It's like, whoa, that takes, that takes some, some gumption um, to be able to do that. And, and so I like that, uh, like that aspect of her. Yeah. All right. Uh, go for it. My second of uh, the top three is Ventress. Asajj Ventress. Nice. 
I really enjoyed her character and I love the character development. Um, like I was saying with the Grievous, I felt like she was the real fear her and Count Dooku in terms of the Clone Wars. And also I the Night Sisters are my favorite species, race, whatever you want to call them. That is my all-time favorite new introduction to the Star Wars universe. Something completely unique. Um, and I believe that they like what she brought and how she became diverse and and really changed as you saw her in the later seasons. She helped Ahsoka out and wanted to be kind of like cleared of her um, past and just move on to the future and becoming bounty hunter. Um, and I thought that she was just had this really strong character development. Um, and I also just loved her actual character design. One thing that we highlighted because we did discuss Ventress was that she was originally intended to be basically what Count Dooku was in Attack of the Clones. Um, so episode two, like she was originally concepted for that. And so being able to recycle her and bring her to life was really unique and uh, enjoyable for me. Yeah, mm-hmm. and... There's also, it's funny because I was talking to you guys while I was listening to that episode of the podcast. Um, because there's also the aspect of her, like her design comes from an early design for uh, Darth Maul when Darth Maul was supposed to be uh, a woman. So, like, it's not like you're totally right. She went from, you know, it's not just that she went from being like the Count Dooku, but she came from episode one and they didn't use that. And then it got recycled in episode two and it didn't get used there. So it got recycled in Clone Wars. Like, that's really cool that that I like when they bring those things back in there. But, like, to go back to what I was saying about strong female character, like, Ventress gets it, right? Yeah. Like, she mm-hmm. she is completely intimidating, uh, you know, totally independent, um, but also, like, she fails terribly. She struggles with, you know, good and evil and the choices that she's made. And so it makes it somebody who, when you see her on screen, you have that automatic connection with her because we've all made those choices out of anger that have had those bad consequences that have lasted for a long time, right? Which that's kind of how her turn to the dark side happens is after her master dies and she's basically abandoned, you know, hate is the only thing that's left. And so Dooku's able to manipulate that. So there's... uh, Amazing. She's an amazing character. Yeah. All right, Adriana, I'm going to send it to you now. Oh, okay. I didn't, I lost track. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So this one is kind of a surprise. Um, I wasn't expecting to put her so high, but I think her room for potential um, really puts her at the top for me. And that's Kira. Uh, from Solo, uh, I just she was. I'm gonna be honest. I went into Solo thinking that I was not gonna like her character, um, and I was like, "Who is this? Who is this woman that's gonna f- try to vie for Han's affections?" No, <laughs> um, and I was pleasantly surprised uh, by her by just um, everything. Uh, and then I I thought it was really. Um, nice to see to see her like you know um also blasting her way um out of things and and so like i said my 
my whole hope for her is that she, we get more of her and hopefully it's um i i just want to know more about her i think too is there's a lot of potential like what how is she working with mall um what her role um could be and so yeah do you, do you think we'll see her in like future media i don't know i would i would like to, i would like to see her um and I th- and like I said, that's one of the reasons I put her on my list is because there's a lot of potential for her. They can take the story in so many ways, and you know we we've obviously seen like with the new uh, um, Clone Wars, we've seen some of the um, was it the Pike? The Pikes, the Pikes and yeah, the Shadow yeah, collective and stuff, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, and then she was so it would be interesting to see uh, Crimson Dawn, and like I said, there's that whole potential that with Maul and um, Maul is also a really great character so I think having them together seeing them together I think would make for a really really great great um story and like even just like a short form series like live action series I think that would be really cool um yeah let me me ask you because this is something that has stuck with me from the novelization is it actually says that she is Dryden's slave um, which I did not get out of the movie. Um, I got, I got that she felt indebted to him, um, and that she f- maybe felt trapped. That basically, like, you know, when you join the mob, you don't get to leave the mob. You you yeah. end up dead, kind of thing. But it it says like she was sold to him. She is his slave. Did you get that from the movie, Adriana? I I didn't necessarily get that, but I did. I did understand when that when she killed him that like she was um doing that for herself um which uh again she she saved herself um which is another reason why i liked her um so yeah definitely like you don't get necessarily that she's a slave but definitely the, the vibe that she is under his thumb um to a certain capacity that um it that she's not in she doesn't have 100% agency of herself yeah um and knowing that when she has agency of herself she chooses to um continue on in that life like it's very interesting to me (laughs) well and also the fact that like you have this character that is presented as intelligent and smart and you know street smart who always to an extent seems in control of things who you see basically cowering with, you know, in front of Dryden, it makes his character more interesting also, you know? Um, I think the way that they kind of created that dynamic there where yes, you use her character to make him more interesting, but also she's the downfall of his character um, is something that really like it, it, it's something that stands out in the movie as a, a very creative and interesting way to handle the character to, you know, use her to enhance the other characters, but also not like fridge her or anything like that. And, and like I said, one of the things is that I was not expecting to like solo because of what happened, changing directors. Um, and it was, it, it just felt like, I'm like, what am I, what am I stepping into? Um, and conversely, I had like the opposite 
feeling like I liked Felicity Jones. I love Felicity Jones, but I actually was not a fan of what's her name. I don't even know her name. Uh, uh, so, um, so to so to see her in a role and I actually liked her was really nice. All right, you're up, buddy. Okay. Josh, so gonna, wait, Josh, 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 Josh. Yeah, I'm gonna guess you right now. Okay. Ahsoka. You are so you're close. Oh. <laughs> um, but it is our hello there, General Kenobi. <laughs> General Kenobi or, or Obi-Wan oh. Kenobi. <laughs> I'm going to say this. His lightsaber and Luke's episode six lightsaber are my two favorite lightsabers out of all of all of Star Wars. Um, and I like how he's like a proficient in form three of Sorsu and anything like that. And of course, how he represents the Jedi Order and like from a certain point of view, I shouldn't ask, but I'll, add, <laughs> I'll have you uh, <laughs> add on some more about that. Okay, hold yeah. hold on hold on one second, everybody. Hold on, I need to change out a port. Okay. <sighs> Gotta stretch. Oh, for some reason, <laughs> I just like couldn't hear you guys for a second, and I had to turn the volume all the way up. All right, we're good. Okay. Um, man, I I really like Kenobi. The thing I struggle with him is that like. He's set up to be this, to be the ideal of the Jedi, but a lot of what we see of him is him failing. Um, mm-hmm. You know, he fails with with uh, Anakin. I think a lot of times he fails Luke, um, even though he does, you know, guide him on his Jedi path. You know, Luke has to go against what he says to to get to the right conclusion. Um, but something that somebody pointed out to me when I when I said that was. And this kind of changed how I look on him. Because I, I like the characters. A wonderful, wonderful character. But I kind of always struggle with, like, is he what a Jedi is supposed to be? Um, what This person said um, that he goes through all that stuff, makes all those mistakes, falls on his face so many times, but never wavers from the light side. Mm-hmm. And that was something that was like, okay, yeah, no, that's, that, that is what makes an ideal Jedi. Yeah, and and when he like I've just rewatched one episode with Maul in the Clone Wars when Maul and Savage take Obi Wan and they kind of like they're ready to to kill Obi Wan, but Obi Wan like he Maul does upset him and he unbalances him, but he's still like you could still see that he's balanced in the Jedi in the Jedi way like you said. So, um, but yeah, I I think yeah it's supposed to be like from a certain point of view that he <laughs> is like the the optimal jedi or what a jedi should be yeah so. can we talk about his animation really yeah. quick um yeah i really love his animation and i really really love james arnold taylor like his uh the way he voices him is um chef kisses i love it I love <laughs> um and as someone who has met james arnold taylor he is also really really nice so mm-hmm. um Wow, way to name drop there, Adriana. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I haven't done that at all on this episode. You know, I can uh, send you some photos if you... Oh, oh, me. yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> you should definitely post them on Twitter and we'll, uh, we'll, we'll tweet them out, you know? Yeah. To the Twitterverse. <laughs> um, no, he, he is one of the... As far as, like, with Clone Wars, his was, like, the least... Um, you know, uh, I want to say jarring you, that you have to get used to, you know, because um, 
for me, it was kind of hard to get into Clone Wars at first just because their voices were so different. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have that problem with, with Obi-Wan. So no. yeah. He fit the role perfectly. Yeah. yeah. I think all, all the actors and voice actor that's, that have portrayed Obi-Wan have done a, a great job. Like like you said, if you you met James Arnold Taylor, I'm a little bit jealous. <laughs> he's he's awesome. I mean, definitely anybody who voices um any any characters, Clone Wars, Rebels, even all the actors, and I mean, it's just it's amazing work that they do. So well, and yeah. with with Obi Wan, you know, you start with Alec Guinness, and then Ewan McGregor does his own version of it that also leads into Alec Guinness, and then James Arnold Taylor does his own version of Ewan McGregor doing his own version of Alec Guinness. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) Um, it's there's there's an aspect of that character where you kind of you can believe different people are are him a a little easier, I think, because we're used to more people being him. So, like, Mm -hmm. even in Rebels, when you have Steven Stanton stepping in um, and becoming Kenobi there, like it feels natural, whereas as great of a job as Matt Lanter does with anakin the the two voices i feel like are are really different um and you were when you started with anakin you were kind of i mean i know jake lloyd played him originally but like that at that look of anakin you're used to hayden christensen and uh you know so there's there's something about obi-wan that just makes him the everyman he he's he's relatable you know because of the struggles that he goes through and he still stays on the light side so can't fault you for picking him can't fault you at all (laughs) so we talked about this in our first episode with obi-wan so matt has his own opinion about the obi-wan uh kenobi or the kenobi tv show uh Mm -hmm. premiering and what i want to get your two takes on it like what do you think do you think they just have to do it right yeah, I, I before yeah, let, let, go ahead and, and answer. <laughs> Adrian, I'll let you take this one. Okay. Um for me, I think it just really depends on the time frame that they select. Um because uh I I just don't know how excited I am to see Obi-Wan on Tatooine in the desert watching over Anakin. Like it just doesn't seem like there's a lot of stories they can tell with that um and and to be honest i would have preferred um i would have really preferred a prequel type series with uh obi-wan as a padawan so you can get liam neeson back (laughs) as well i think that would have been really cool (laughs) i think at least i mean uh, everything's going in in a flux right now everything's changing with that show but i think liam neeson uh, Hayden Christensen and of course um, Ewan McGregor are casted in it but again it's subject subject to change because they're going through some changes right now correct me if I'm wrong uh, no you're you're right there there's some stuff that's up in the air and I'm I honestly thought Adriana was going to go the other way here um, <laughs> I'm, I'm with you there I I've never been excited about an Obi-Wan series um, I know that's terrible but I I find it very compelling uh, and interesting for him to spend to do nothing but spend twenty years sitting watching over Anakin and connecting with the Force. Um, I think that's part of what makes you get a big transition of of Yoda from 
you know, what we see in the prequels to what we see in Empire Strikes Back. And I attribute a lot of that to him sitting on Dagobah and contemplating and meditating and connecting with the Force. And I think that there is something really powerful in Star Wars about these characters who are going into um, hiding, going into isolation, and the lessons that they learn from that and the way that they grow from that. Um, and I don't necessarily want to see Obi-Wan like, ah, Luke will be okay for an hour and going off to Kamino to fight, you know, some yeah. whatever. What You know, like, I I don't really want those. Let me, let me put it this way. I'm not going to say I don't want them because I do want them. But <laughs> I think you have to be very, very careful about not just saying, oh, look, we can do something cool with this character, but doing something that is meaningful to the character, right? It goes back to that, mm -hmm. like, just because you can do it doesn't mean you should do it. So I always hold on to that, like, if it's done well, I'll like it, uh, you know, cop-out answer. But, I mean, it's true. Like, if they do it right and they, they respect the wh what he commits to doing in episode three... Um, I'm really, I, I think it could be done really well. And I, I, I'm very excited about the possibility of him and, uh, Qui-Gon having some chats. I think that could be mm -hmm. really, really interesting, uh, especially considering what we see in, uh, from a certain point of view, um, that Claudia Gray did as they talk, um, at the Jawa slaughter scene. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. uh, that was far and above the best part of that book. Um, so yeah. there's cool. again, there's a lot of potential. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, my thoughts have already been laid out. In, <laughs> in my heart, so, so, but I, I am with you guys on, I don't really want to, I'm um, the only one that wants it. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. Listen, I will take it. I will give it to me. I want yeah. it. Um, but like I said, it really depends on <laughs> the story that they're going to tell. Yeah. Um, and for me, Kenobi, uh, General Kenobi has had a lot of already interesting arcs told, like in Clone Wars, like it, the whole story with Satine, uh, I thought was very interesting. So, yeah. um, and, and, and as far as from what I understand, this is supposed to be like before A New Hope when we know he's in the desert. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so it's just like, and, and like they've already shown him fighting Maul. Mm -hmm. um on tattooing so like what what it, else is there you know it, what i mean yeah it's supposed to be when i when i was doing my research it was supposed to be or the show is supposed to be take place again it's under writing rewriting and everything it's supposed to take right after the events of episode three so like there's like probably like maybe a couple months or a year after uh when he goes into exile so it wouldn't it wouldn't be like it would be way before when he fights Maul, way before when he meets Ezra. Um, so, and I, 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 oh, and also even before, like there's a comic where he's fighting a Tusken Raider Jedi. Um, so I don't know. They, they have a lot of room to make a new story and maybe some new villains or again, that's what we've been talking about on our, our show at least. But yeah. <laughs> one, one thing too is I would like them to, if they do do something uh, well, obviously they're doing it, but I just want them to, like, make sure that they're honoring, like, the actual Clone Wars series. Like, they're acknowledging that this Clone Wars series, animated series happened. Um, because I think, um, not necessarily myself, but other people that I talked to, their whole problem with Rise of Skywalker and the sequel trilogy was how they didn't really 
um, it was supposed to end the trilogy and they didn't talk about or acknowledge the prequels at all. And they felt that that was a big slight and a big like mistake. And so like, and we, and we know that star Wars does this. They will ignore other things that are canon, like the books and, and comics. And so my whole thing is I don't want them to, uh, disregard any of the current canon, like with the, with the Clone Wars series or any of the books. Um, and that they very easily can do that. And that's, I think, where my hesitation comes from. That's why I'm really hoping that they tell, like, a small story, you know? Like, I don't want a big, galactically impacting story. I want something, like, small, like we got in the Kenobi uh, novel by John Jackson Miller, um, where it's him struggling with, you know, what does it mean to be a Jedi at this point with all their failings? Um, he, he still knows he believes in the Jedi and he wants to be a Jedi, but how do I do that now? Um, could be something really compelling. And, and I didn't realize it was like right after revenge of the Sith. I thought it was, uh, kind of in the little closer to the in-between time. So that actually gives me a lot of hope that we get kind of that story of the internal conflict. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why they also cast Hayden and well, yeah. Cause I think, you know, at that point, Anakin turned into Vader, and then they, they, the only way that I would see that they would bring in Hayden is like some kind of background or struggle of like remembering his times with Anakin and how he failed him or something like that. Again, like I don't know, they have like different ways they can flashbacks. <laughs> yeah, flashbacks. Yeah, pretty much. Oh man, could so. you imagine like a live action version of the <laughs> conversation between him and Anakin about Satine? Oh yeah, <laughs> he's like, I should have taken Satine up on that offer. <laughs> oh man, good stuff, good stuff. All right, so that brings us to our top characters, and mine is a surprise to a grand total of zero people, and it is Ahsoka Tano. Uh, I am surrounded by Ahsoka uh, objects uh, here in my studio. Uh, Who she- is that? <laughs> I've never heard of this character before in my entire life. You know, this isn't on <laughs> online yet. I can still edit you out, okay? Uh, so, I mean, she's the Clashing Sabers logo. She, She's so foundational to who I am as a person. It's almost hard for me to put into words, but don't worry. I typed up a whole page about it. Um, <laughs> but, like... Just the page? Ju- well, yes, this was the shorthand version. <laughs> the she honestly like her journey i feel like is my journey she starts at this braggadocious cocky little brat who really is probably masking a lot of insecurities because at that time the jedi are so clouded and confused and there's no way that a padawan could come in feeling secure knowing feeling like they really know what a jedi is supposed to be right like we're preaching peace but we're out here fighting a war and to be raised in that way is is something that's challenging um but kind of that braggadocious cocky aspect of her i really connected with because growing up i did taekwondo and and i mean i got a black belt and everything but i didn't really like have the work ethic that i should have had um i could have like been a lot better um and a lot of people put time into me to become better and i didn't put the time in myself um and i kind of feel like that's where we get Ahsoka at the beginning of the story is like she expects to just show up and be able to win because she's a Jedi, right? And then, especially as as we go on in her story, we go to heroes on both sides, which is you know is 
when I really feel like her character takes off, um, when she starts to realize that maybe things aren't as black and white as like we would like them to think, uh, or we would like ourselves to think, which is something that, again, I have had to really struggle with with people in my life. And I didn't watch Clone Wars when it originally came out. I watched it um, after the Disney purchase when I got back into Star Wars. Um, and ironically enough, I was very anti Star Wars animation. Like I refused. I was like, no, Star Wars is live action. It's not animated. And now I'm like, look at all the animated stuff I have around me. Like I have a Rebels poster framed over here. I have Ahsoka stuff framed over here. Like I have, I think like four Ashley Eckstein signatures over here. Like it, oh. it's, it's <laughs> I, I, ironic to, to see it uh, now, but I, I was not there for it. So I actually think it's one of those things like the force works in mysterious ways because when I saw Ahsoka walking away from the Jedi was right when I decided to become a teacher, which was different than anything I'd ever said I wanted to do. I couldn't explain why I felt like it was the right thing to do. There was no justifiable grounds for me to be like, yes, this seems like the natural next step for me. It was just somebody was like, hey, you would make a really good teacher. And that little like one thing sparked me going on this whole journey that I couldn't imagine doing my life going another way. Right. Um, and that's what we get with Ahsoka. And so to not only have that, but then for when I start teaching is when Rebel starts to see that she made the right choice, that she matured in such a way to where she is able by making that hard choice of going against what other people thought she should do to becoming literally this fulcrum um, for the rebellion and, and in my opinion to be exactly what a Jedi is supposed to be um, was something that gave me a lot of hope through the first couple years of teaching um, that was was kind of hard. Um, and then just to kind of wrap it up um, with, I mean, I, I could talk another three hours about Ahsoka, <laughs> but just to, since we've kind of had Clone Wars coming out, um, I, I really liked in this most recent episode uh, when Rafa says something in the nature of, you, well, you act like a Jedi, or at least the way I would want a Jedi to act. That right there, that one line to me, that's Ahsoka. That's what defines her. Um, in season two of Rebels of Twilight of the Apprentice, we see Ahsoka end by walking into the Sith Temple. And I, I have stood by this and I continue to stand by this. I truly believe that she stayed there to be the light in the darkness for Anakin. Um, if she had died, the only thing left would have been for vader to kill kenobi uh but she stays there in the darkness i feel like to kind of bear the weight until luke can can light the fire in anakin again but she keeps that spark there she i mean she says it i won't leave you not this time and i i really believe she doesn't she stays there in the darkness to keep the hope alive until the new hope can rise and then Ashley Eckstein is legitimately uh, one of the top three people on planet Earth. And thank you to Adriana. She has said my name. So that is that. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. I No arguments. No arguments. No, arguments. no, I mean, everything that you said is correct. Yeah. <laughs> See, I knew I liked you guys. <laughs> All right, let's keep going and, and go ahead on to uh, the next one. Obi-Wan is my number one. We've already covered him. The only <laughs> thing I will say 
is that my nickname is Obel. And so I create a lot of my nicknames around Obelwan, Obi-Wan, Obelwan. <laughs> so that that is the only thing I will add to the Obi-Wan discussion. And that's also just, uh, I love the character as is. So, yeah. Yeah, no, I definitely go go listen to uh, to that episode of Wannabe Jedi if you haven't already, because um, I that's one thing, like, I started listening and I was like, Okay, okay, like they, they got a good like little dynamic here, but then once you guys actually like got into talking about the character, I was I was like, All right, I, I dig it. Like you guys got into a really good conversation um about his character and the different aspects of him. So um speaking of waxing eloquent about a character for a long time. <laughs> you yes. guys do a good job yes. of it there. Yeah. <laughs> so the one thing I will ask you, which was a question on our show, is who do you think Obi-Wan's greatest nemesis was? Is it Darth Maul or is it Anakin <laughs> or Vader? <laughs> Matt and I both have different uh, opinions. Differing opinions on it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I I think it's Vader because of the internal conflict it creates for him. Um, the fact that he knows that he failed Anakin but also knows that he's not the one that can save him is something that I think torments him. Um, or at least I, that's my head Canon that it torments him. Um, and so I think Maul is the character that like, obviously he had to battle against the most. And that was the most, the biggest threat to his life. But I think in terms of his greatest nemesis, the thing that caused him the most pain, I think it would be Vader. What about you, Adriana? Um, well, you could even argue that his greatest success was himself, um, because he failed, how he failed (laughs) him, he failed Anakin and he knows that he carries that weight of his inactions. Like, do you think he, maybe he thinks about, um, if he had spoken to Anakin about his feelings for Satine and how, um, you know, uh, maybe Anakin would have been truthful with him from the get-go. And then, you know, there's also the idea that Qui-Gon wanted to, you know, uh, train Anakin, and he ends up getting stuck doing it. Like, I think that's, like, when he... When Anakin becomes his Padawan, I think that that's a little bit how he feels. Like, I have to train you because I'm indebted to Qui-Gon. Like, and so... His, so maybe you could say that. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> We've already uh, laid out our opinions. Josh yeah. is uh, thinks Darth Maul is, and yeah. I think uh, Vader is the is the greater one. But we'll, yeah. we'll leave it up in the air for you, the <laughs> listeners out there, to decide. <laughs> I think it's an ongoing debate, yeah, and yeah. actually, with the Obi Wan Kenobi series, we'll probably get another round of who it actually is because we might see a little bit more about that. I just think the way that they they did the final battle between Maul and Obi-Wan, like Obi-Wan was, there was kind of like a, I don't know what the right word is, but like peacefulness to it. Yeah. And yeah, I feel I, like he wouldn't have that with his greatest nemesis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there was a, there was a serenity uh-huh. there. It was like, yeah, he understood <laughs> why Maul was the way that he was. And so... Mm-hmm. I, I think when you understand your enemy, you have more empathy towards them um, mm-hmm. because you you see what made them um, dark, what made them 
I guess, evil. And maybe that's something we get to see more of in that Kenobi series is him trying to understand why Anakin made that choice and why he, where he went wrong with him. Um, yeah. Again, Kenobi's one of those characters you can have so many debates on, which makes him endlessly yeah. entertaining. <laughs> yeah. So. And, I, and I just want to say, too, because we know and we see his failures, but we still love him for it. Yes. <laughs> so that's yeah, a big, yeah. like... <laughs> It says a um, lot. It says a lot about, yeah. you know, the character and also the people who have portrayed him. Yeah, yeah exactly. And the, and the writing as well. And yeah. Yeah. All right, Adriana, you're up. All right. So my favorite character is Poe, but I did not put him in my top three because, alas, he was in my bottom three. Um, so I have to go with Kanan. Okay. Wow. Uh, okay. I... I love Kanan um, a lot, and we've I've mentioned it in like my previous episodes about how um, one of the reasons uh, I got into starting to read the novels was because I picked up a New Dawn, um, and it was also kind of my first foray into the comics as well, reading the Kanan um, comics, and I think just his arc as a whole is very satisfying because he goes from this very like I, I, like he I don't know if it's necessarily necessarily true or not but it, like he feels like he thinks he's this like like Rico Suave like ladies man type guy um, and he cares about just himself and then you know he gets with the ghost crew he loses his eyesight um he just goes through all these things and then he makes the ultimate sacrifice um for the for his family um and and i i mean we all knew that he was going to have like there's no way that he was going to live um so um as far as how he went out i think it was very satisfying and then there like um in the comics there's a lot of like good little nuggets like we talked about um brandon when he was he's the padawan that gives obi-wan the idea to turn the signal um so that the jedi go away from the jedi temple uh after order 66 so all that all that is very interesting and um yeah i just i love kanan and i love uh freddie prince jr who voices him and he has some hot takes that I really like. <laughs> mm-hmm. and I, so, um, yeah, Kanan. Yeah. I like Kanan. Yeah. Kanan, I mean, I, I did watch, like, a Freddie Prince uh, Jr. He was on, like, a show or something like that, and he was talking about, like, how Star Wars is for the kids and everything. Yep. <laughs> you, you know what I'm talking yeah, that's about. that's exactly what I'm referring to. <laughs> <laughs> but he was, um, also, he was also on this, like, other show, too, and he was, like, playing with... Um, Sam, Sam uh, Whitworth, yeah, right. Yeah. The, the the um the voice actor of Maul and a couple other characters, and he's also in Supergirl as well. Um, but he he did a uh, yeah. I think he's just a great he's a great voice actor, uh, Freddie Prince Jr. And he did portray Kanan to be like this very. It went from Kanan, like you said, a good arc of learning and like accepting that. You know, Order 66 happened, and then he ended up trusting in Rex and the clones, and then he lost his eyesight to Maul, and then at the end, he sacrificed himself for the ghost crew. It's, like, one of the best arcs in Star Mm -hmm. Wars. Like, 
plain and simple, yeah. you know, just like it's so well done. And I think there's an aspect too of like when the actor understands the Star Wars galaxy, even if it's just a voice actor, you get that extra element, right? Like Freddie Prince Jr., Vanessa Marshall, Sam Witwer, if you ever hear them talk about Star Wars, they get it. Like they get it at its very core. It's not just like, oh, they really like it and they saw the movie. No, like they get it. They get the mythology. They get the meaning. They get what it's about. And so there's just a an it factor for those kind of people when they get in um, and they're they're bringing those characters to life. And I know like char- I know like people like Freddie Prince Jr. and Sam Witwer are able to like present these things to uh, the creators and even somebody like Dave Filoni has taken some of their advice. I know like Sam Witwer um, actually corrected the kind of lightsaber that Maul was supposed to have in uh, Solo because they did they got that wrong, right? And mm-hmm. so there's that extra love for the character and you feel that every time you, you see uh, Freddie Prince Jr. talk about Kanan um, and, and what he stands for. And there's a lot of similarities between the two in terms of like, you know... Um, Freddie Prince Jr. has done a lot of uh, studying of martial arts and and has grown up in that kind of way and has is somebody who suffered a great loss for somebody important to him, um, you know. And so again, there's just that extra aspect of the character that you get. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. All yeah, right, Josh, I think it's time for you to take us home. Okay, so my top character is Ahsoka Tano as well. Um, Did we just become best friends? I think so. I think so. (laughs) I mean, I'm jealous. You got to meet uh, Ashley Eckstein and, and no, 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 uh, no, no, no. I didn't get to meet her. Adriana got a video for me. Uh, Oh, Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Okay. (laughs) Okay. But I'm still jealous. I'm still jealous of that. But I mean, again, when I, I when I did see Clone Wars two weeks prior to the release of the, the Clone Wars movie, I did win, uh, even though it's like a, a kid's small T-shirt when I was, <laughs> I was still a kid. Don't get me wrong, but I was not a kid small. Um, <laughs> it was a it was a Ahsoka Tano shirt. And just that started off at the character. And, and I will say, like, I agree with you, Brandon. At, at first, she was that annoying character. And I, I at first I'm like, oh, you know, I really don't like her. I really want to see Obi-Wan and Anakin because, you know, episode three just came out that was like one of the my childhood movies that you know that i remember coming out and you know i thought it was going to take away from from anakin obi-wan's arcs but in the end ahsoka's development throughout clone wars throughout uh this new season of clone wars and eventually into rebels and then hopefully a theorized new show coming out with sabine and her but I, I think just the way that the character developed Dave Filoni and the other team members who, who you know, made her and, and made her the character that she is did an awesome job. And even like her and Rex within the novelization or in the novelization and um, Rex in the Clone Wars just, just did an amazing job. And I, I don't want to – I mean we've been talking a lot about Ahsoka, but yeah, definitely, definitely one of the best characters out there. Yeah, and I mean – I think her being annoying is the point. I think that's something that like people miss in the conversation about the character is like she's supposed to be annoying. She was designed that way. Dave Filoni specifically said to Ashley Eckstein, like, you're gonna get a lot of hate for this character, but just hold on, we're going places with it. The yeah. like they'll get it eventually. And I mean, 
you have entire like Ahsoka lives meetups now at Celebration of like hundreds of people, you know, and dressed as Ahsoka and wearing Ahsoka stuff. And I mean, shoot, her universe is an entire like company that basically started around Ahsoka, you know, existing. Um, yeah, it's just like, and I mean, it's, yeah, it's or, crazy the impact that she's had. Yeah, and I know they're um, coming up with the ideas for her being in the Mandalorian season two. As well as having her own live action show. Yeah. yeah. There's there's so much. I don't think she's going anywhere. <laughs> I don't think she's yeah. going anywhere anytime soon. And neither are we. Even though we sat here for, oh, you know, just about three little yeah. short hours. Uh, no big deal. <laughs> Longest short podcast on the internet. T-shirt yep. available on TeePublic. Um, no, this was a super fun conversation, and I'm glad we got to get into it. I think we got into some really uh, good discussion about different characters and the different aspects of those characters, which is right up uh, you guys' alley over at Wannabe Jedi. So go ahead and tell yeah. people um, who have not already subscribed to you where they can find you and connect with you and all that stuff. So you guys can find us at various different podcasts wherever you get your podcasts we are there so we're on apple we're on spotify we're on stitcher i believe as well um so wherever you get your podcasts you will find us we are the wannabe jedi podcast our twitter is at wannabe jedi cast that's where you'll probably see me talking the most and my theories um josh kind of stays away from the, the twitter realm but i yeah. <laughs> smart man yeah. way too going down the twitter rabbit hole i, I will say um, and then also our website is wannabejedipodcast.com. That's all one word, wannabejedipodcast.com. And that, there you just can get to know us a little bit more. Yeah. yeah. And uh, you guys have, like you said, like six episodes out, so it doesn't take long for you to catch up on the back catalog and, and be right up to date. But I know um, something that I appreciate about shows like uh, like the soundtrack show and stuff, for example, is when you can go back years later and listen to them um, and and get that that insight again. And it's not just based on what was happening at the time. And that's something I think you guys um, really have with your show. And I think it's going to age really well. So I'm excited to, to see what you guys have in the future. Um, Thank you so much. For us, you know where to find us. Uh, Adriana is on Twitter. I'm on Twitter at Clashing Sabers, uh, Starships, Forever Star Wars, all that stuff is right here on the network. You just have to click subscribe. If you want to come hang out with us, um, I just changed the uh, group name of our Facebook group to make it a little easier to find. It is simply Star Wars Clashing Sabers. So uh, come hang out with us over there. And I'm working on some ideas on how we're going to do uh, some fun interactive stuff there. And stay tuned, of course, for our Patreon. Um, we are just getting the last pieces in place and then we will have that launching to help get more star wars books into classrooms across the country so um if you in the meantime would like to nominate a teacher or just read some of the stuff we're doing go over to clashingsabers.net and all that is there uh for you to do but until next time batch eight adriana you're the only one here adriana you have to do oh, it hi -ho. <sighs> <laughs> what <laughs> What do I pay you for? You don't pay me. Oh, okay.
The podcast you just listened to and all other Clashing Sabers productions are the intellectual property of ClashingSabers.net. All sounds and materials used from other creators is their stuff, and we just use different informational and educational purposes. Bottom line, we made it, it's ours, they made it, it's theirs. Seems simple, but if you're still confused, feel free to email us at ClashingSabersNetwork at gmail.com. We have no association with Lucasfilm, Disney, or any of the other fine companies that make all this stuff we talk about. But, Kathleen Kennedy, if you need anything, let me know. I work for cheap. Now let's blow this thing and get out of here.